welcome to another episode of Allies of Convenience, the international competitive Warhammer 40,000 podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ray, and this is episode 37, our look towards what is the biggest singles event in the world right now for Warhammer 40,000, the Las Vegas Open, coming up this weekend, and we have got a bumper episode lined up for you today. Before I tell you what we can expect in uh, this episode, I just want to say thanks very much to Element Games for our new partnership with them. Make sure you check out Element Games online. Uh, if you want to buy anything through them, please use uh, this link, bit.ly forward slash element AOC. Uh, anything you buy will be counted towards us as an affiliate, um, and you can still take advantage of their 15 to 25% discount on all their game systems and modeling equipment. So check that out. As I said, bit.ly forward slash element AOC. Um, we'll post that link on the Facebook page and that'll be in the uh, podcast description as well if you just want to click through to it. But anything you do buy from Element Games uh, at a discount, if you can use that link, uh, doesn't cost you anything else. It's entirely the same service. It just adds to our uh, points tally, I guess, as an affiliate. And, you know, it's all reciprocal. And everything works out for the both of us. So if you want to buy anything from Element Games and we can recommend them very highly, then please do so through that link, bit.ly forward slash element AOC. They have course stock uh, for Range of 40k stuff, uh, Warhammer Fantasy, Age of Sigmar, uh, and all the other major game systems. They've got X-Wing, Bolt Action, Malifaux, Infinity, all that good stuff that you want to play, and Magic the Gathering as well. Also got a great selection of equipment, uh, and if any of you guys want to get into airbrushing, um, they've got some great deals on some airbrush kits as well. So it's definitely worth checking out. Right, so let's get into what you can actually expect to hear on this episode. Before he flew out alongside a number of other UK compatriots to Las Vegas for what is certainly going to be a week of debauchery and shenanigans, uh, Matt Robertson recorded four segments. Uh, he spoke to Reese and Frankie, of course, uh, from Frontline Gaming, who are responsible for the LVO, the great success of that, uh, alongside the ITC, which is now pretty much the go-to format for a lot of regular events there in the States. We've got two separate interview segments, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, with prominent players from both regions. And then we round out the episode with what's basically a warning to anyone that's in Las Vegas that comes across any of the UK guys that are heading out there, uh, Matt spoke to uh, the Motley crew that are joining him on the flight. Uh, they should be out there in Las Vegas right now. So if you see any of these guys, stay away, be wary, don't accept any drinks from them because you'll probably wake up with a sore bum. Anyway, big, big thanks again to Frontline Gaming, of course. Um, you can watch the LVO stream absolutely live starting on Friday. That's on uh, twitch.tv forward slash frontline gaming underscore TV. So now let's hand it over to Matt and speak to the two people responsible for the LVO, Reese Robbins and Frankie GM Papa. Hi, I'm Matt here, joined by Reese Robbins and Frankie, I'm hoping I say this right, GM Papa. Nailed it, good job. From frontline Gaming, hey guys. Hey, how you doing? I'm pretty good. So, you guys have come on with much thanks to talk about the upcoming LVO, which I'm sure will get covered a lot on the podcast and most 
40k forums and the general scene in the next few weeks yeah it's uh, really excited it's been a big build up it's gonna be the biggest event we've ever run so we're super excited and it's gonna be awesome to have you guys coming out making the trip over the pond yeah i think there's a quite a big group coming over from the uk this year how many have you had previously or has it been one or two i think there's about nine this year yeah there's it's it's varied i mean the first year we had a bunch of the swedes come out um we've got actually quite a few people coming from australia this year too uh it's it's gonna be super fun man like this will be the most from the uk though uh for sure well, that's pretty cool because i know your 40k you sold out really quickly didn't you so you've opened up a few more spots for that yeah, we, we sold out in like two weeks, and then we expanded, we added another uh, 6,000 square feet onto the event, and uh, we opened it up, and we actually still have a little bit of room left for 40K. I think we have like 20 spots left. We're over. We're up to like 340, 335 right now, registered players. So you're still easily the biggest 40K singles event going. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're breaking our own record that we set this year, or like in 2015. We were the biggest singles, and this year we're gonna we're gonna blow that away. Yeah. Yeah, because you've got loads of different events on, haven't you? So if you want to spend a couple minutes, just tell everyone all the crazy stuff you got going on. If you can yeah. remember them all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, and for 40k, we've got the 40k championships, which is the big event, and then occurring at the same time as the 40k narrative. That's got 60 people in it, sold out like instantly. Um, and that, that's going to be more uh, obviously narratively oriented, a little bit more laid back. And uh, the the tables and the, the terrain and the storyline that these guys make is incredible. They have a big projector showing the, the sector that you're fighting over. Um, we have the 40K Knight Joust, which everyone brings a single knight. And last man standing wins. He becomes the king of the knights. There's 50 people signed up for it. It's crazy. How many people? There's 50. It's like 47 or something like that that have signed up. It's going to be super fun. So that's 47 Imperial Knights having a fight to the death. Yep. Yeah. Last, <laughs> last night standing is the big winner. It's gonna be, we, we thought it was going to have like 10, 12 people, but it's just exceeded expectations. Yeah, and people are getting pumped up. I heard there's a few guys that are like painting up all their knights in the match and stuff. It's, it sounds really cool. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. Like We're going to run with it. We're going to make like a banner that's got like – you know, the, the each king of the knights or the baron or whatever that we're going to call it, um, we'll get their name on it. It's going to be really, really fun. I think it's going to be a great drink beer and have a good time event. You need a crown or something for that, king of the knights. May or may not already have made. So. <laughs> uh, there's a 30K event that's going on. That's going to be a blast. It's Again, the, the attendance has exceeded expectations. we got, like, Carl Tuttle from the Independent Characters is coming. A ton of players are coming out just for the 30K event. Uh, that'll probably graduate up into a, a weekend-long event next year. Uh, definitely have the attendance for it. And then we've got the 40K team event, ITC team tournament, which is a like an ETC or ATC-style event. But there's a team of six, and then you pair each other up. Really excited for that. That's our first year doing it. Uh, we have over 100 people signed up for that already. Um, really excited to see that event go. Uh, hobby seminars with some of the best painters and, and, and hobbyists in the game that are going to be teaching all kinds of like blending and sculpting classes. Uh, we've got a f- uh, fantasy masters event. I think it's going to be the last fantasy tournament uh, using the eighth edition rules, unfortunately. Uh, we've got Infinity, Drop Zone Commander, Warzone, X-Wing, and X-Wing Armada. Uh, we've got War Machine and Hordes, really big events going for that. Privateer Press will be there. 
um, to support the event. We've got discounted merchandise. We got the pub crawl, the infamous pub crawl, uh, Malifo events. We've got social events for significant others. So if your spouse or non-gaming uh, associate comes with you, they have something to do during the day. Um, we will have. Uh, uh, we're looking at having a Magic: The Gathering draft. There's just there's so much going on. It's going to be really fun. How many people are you expecting them with that much going on? This would be so much to do. Yeah, we're expecting about a thousand people, and it's really really exciting. It's going to be by far the biggest event we've ever we've ever put on. And are you finding there's a lot of guys traveling as well, rather than just the local area? You're getting a lot of America covered. You know, there's certain events like you guys do where you get a lot from the general area. But I'm guessing this is just everybody from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, this one's like massive. We have a bunch of Canadians coming. We've got Australians. We've got people from all over the United States. It's going to be massive. So, Have you found you've had a big influx from any certain areas this year? Um, Not really. I guess Australia. We yeah. have a bunch of people flying over from Oz, and we never have had that in the past. So that's really exciting for us because that's, that's quite a trip, but it's going to be super fun. Yeah, there's quite a few uh, people coming from the UK too. I think uh, there's a group of like 12 or 15 coming, and we've got people coming from all over the place. That sounds pretty cool because I know you guys have had a lot of success with your ITC format this year. That seems to branch out to a, a lot more events than it has done previously, from what I've heard and what I've seen over here. Yeah, yeah. the ITC it really got a lot of traction in 2014. In 2015, it just, like, hit a different gear. I mean, now we've got ITC events in Japan, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the UK. Uh, the UK. We've got people in Sweden and in now Poland that are interested in running ITC events, too. And they're all over the place in the United States. So uh, this was kind of the year. 2015 was the, the year the ITC just really just took off, and, and, and it hit a different uh, – a different level of acceptance in the community. So that, that was really exciting for us. Yeah, and we have we have quite a few big things in the works for ITC this upcoming season um, that will engage more people in various areas. So. so you know what we found in the UK, with there's been a few events, but a lot of players don't seem to like the missions or FAQ too much because we play the ETC missions a hell of a lot over here, which always... I'd say probably a little bit more tactical edge. But what I do like about your missions are they're so simple. You can just pick it up, play. doesn't need much thought to get going. Um, there's just a different edge to it. Yeah, the the ETC, uh, the difference in the FAQs between the ETC and the ITC, or, or American events in general, to, and, North, and North American, include Canada and that, is the, the ETC they tend to take the more aggressive interpretation of any ambiguous rule. And we tend to take the more conservative interpretation of any uh, ambiguous ruling. A perfect example, warp spiders, right? We say they can only warp jump once. The ETC is infinite. And so there's pros and cons, right? Like a lot of it depends on your your philosophy as a gamer. But then what we see happen is that in an ETC style event, you have more predictable meta, which is good and bad. If you're a really competitive player, a more predictable meta makes it easier to go in and plan for what you're going to do. And we, we've seen in our events is that you have a more diverse meta. 
Right, like every Eldar player doesn't take Max Warp Spiders because it's the duh, obvious choice, right? Um, you get a little bit more diversity. And so whether or not you think that's good or bad depends on your, your perspective. But um, I've noticed that that tends to be the difference. Um, in Europe, they, they, with the ETC, they just they tend to always take the more powerful interpretation of the of any ambiguous ruling. Yeah, no, the recent vote with that was kind of get to more strict raw, but on some of the more obvious ones, go a bit more wry. But like you were saying, then you t- seem to go a bit more conservative. You also have quite a lot of votes and give the players the power. Yep, yep. The ETC as a council, we have uh, power to the people, so to speak. And the ITC, the ETC is a highly competitive, like we are the Olympics of competitive 40K. That's the, that's the intent. And so it makes sense that they do things the way they do things. But the ITC is supposed to be a, a format that gives a standardized level of play for to appeal to as many people as possible. Right? We want it to be inclusive. We want as many people to join in and have fun as, as possible. And the, the, the average player we have found doesn't enjoy the game as much when you take the more aggressive interpretation of every ruling. It turns people off. And uh, that's one of the reasons why the ITC has become so popular it's because a lot of people look at the, the rulings and they go, oh, that makes sense to me. Um, and I'm not attaching a value to that, saying it's better or worse. That's just the, the difference in the philosophy behind it. Yeah, it seems to be going like really well for you guys. But I know with a few of the votes you've done, there's been like little bits of controversy where they've been very close votes. Uh, yeah. like Things oh, like the Come the Apocalypse Allies, a couple of others. Are you going to revisit that next year, maybe a couple of years' time, and just see okay, have people's opinions changed for some of the closer rather than maybe not every single vote you guys have done? It's, everything is, a, like, it's a, it's a malleable format, right? Like, it, anything can be changed at any time. We tend not to, like, go do double jeopardy and re-vote on things a million times because it's confusing for people. Um, it, if something is really contentious and enough people bring it up, then we can put it back on the ballot. But uh, typically speaking, once something passes, we leave it be unless there's a big pushback. Like if the environment changes and something that we voted on two years ago is no longer relevant, we can go back and change it for sure. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to do things. Uh, so just going briefly through the army list guidelines, etc., just to get your thoughts on what's made you decide a couple of these things as well as the votes because obviously you must have had the idea for the vote to be there in the first place on a few of them so you've got battleforged armies 1850 yeah that all makes sense uh three detachments which uh then you've got no duplicates which you changed to allow one duplicate this year what was your initial thinking behind having that it's just one of those things that people become more accustomed to a new change in the meta. So when you have a big change, like from 6th to 7th was a big change. I mean, it was a fine-tuning, but they introduced, like, a lot of these, like, combination detachments and all this stuff. It takes time for people to get used to things, right? Like, we found that if you take things at a little bit slower of a pace, it, it's it's the transition is smoother. So there was just, like, a little bit of a lag time from, like, oh, you can duplicate detachments to the time when people were ready to accept it. And then that's what that reflects. It just takes a little time for people to get used to things. Yeah, and a lot of people were bringing it up and really wanted it to be on the vote. So. Yeah, and then you're going down. You're allowing uh, one Lord of War, which is similar to the ETC, a lot of events in Europe. Uh, Have, is the ETC? I thought they were no Lords of War, period. Is that a new change? 
Uh, yeah, last year when they first came in, they weren't allowing the super heavies or gigantuan creatures. This year, they're on a not one limit unless it's a night detachment. And then you can take multiple in the one detachment. Yeah, they're allowed multiple, but not more than one of each. Just because right. of the way I vote went there again, so we'll tell you guys do this. So you can't duplicate. What are you like? You couldn't take two night paladins or something like that. No, you'd have to have like a paladin and an errant or gotcha. one. Yeah. No, it's interesting, right? It seems arbitrary, but then you know, within your group, you have reasons for doing the things that you do. As an outsider looking in, I'm like, who cares if you take two night paladins? But from from the perspective of people there, I'm sure they had very good reasons for for making the decision that they did. Yeah. Uh, but then you also have, after allowing the Lord of Wars, you have a certain selection of things that you don't allow. Mm. Uh, so what was your thinking behind them? And do you want to talk through a few things that contribute to them, some units not being allowed? Well, we have, we, have clearly posted gui- we have clearly posted guidelines for what is and is not allowed for Lord of War. Uh, if you have a larger than 5-inch blast D weapon, if you have a Hellstrom template that has torrent, or if you have larger than five-inch blast weapons that ignore cover, you're uh, not allowed into the um, ITC for Lord's War. So that's just basic big things that are going to take whole units off. Exactly. Because yeah, people, we have found people do not enjoy that. They don't like just picking up their stuff. Yeah, and that's just for the events that we run. Like All TOs and stuff are free to make changes and all that. Um, and a lot of them do for their events. Yeah, the, the first rule of the ITC is that you can change any rule in the ITC to suit your local community. Because we're, we're not trying to dictate to people what to do. We're just trying to we're trying to provide a starting point, like a baseline. Like, hey, you may not agree with everything, but at least we all are on the same page. And if your local group really wants to use whatever, whatever Lord of War, really wants to use whatever rule, go ahead and do it. We don't care. Yeah, because I find that a lot. You get a lot of organizers will look at, certain events and use their formats it's a lot simpler than coming up with their own and if something's popular and they enjoy playing it they're more likely to use that so it's good that you guys have said here you go here's our set please feel free to tweak and change because yeah. you're gonna get more people happy to use that yeah because we don't I mean we, we don't care like if you guys are playing in the uk and you go hey, hey let's try that tc format because it's it's kind of everything's there there's an faq army guidelines everything and it's it's all set up and easy to access, but we really want to use unlimited Lords of War, whatever. Go ahead and do it. We don't care. We're not trying to tell you how to play the game. We're just trying to make it easier for people to come together and play organized 40K. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then you've also added, with the Lord of War points still, uh, for every three points you get of whole points or wounds, you get a bonus Maelstrom point. Whose idea was that one? That came in in the beginning when Lords of War was first introduced into the game. There was a lot of pushback. People were really, really resistant to let Lords of War into the game. They were scared of them. And uh, to be fair, the first uh, Escalation book, the rules for the way they worked were much more powerful than they are now. And um, to ease it in, we used the Escalation rules. That book has since been pretty much uh, X-Nade. But people in the ITC wanted to keep that rule. And I think... It was largely in response to the Knight Armies and Wraith Knights, which I think everybody can agree are dramatically underpriced. Uh, I think people felt it was a balancing act uh, to counteract some of the more powerful Lords of War. Yeah, and the funny thing is, Reese and I actually wanted to get it taken off, 
and some other people had brought it up, so he put it on the poll. But it turns out that the community really wants it to stick around. So. Yep. Wow. And that's that's the way it goes in a democracy, right? Like, there's some of the things that ITC Frankie and I would change if we could wave our magic wand, but we're not dictators, right? We simply provide some guidance for everything. Yeah, you're trying to do it for what the people want rather than telling people what they want, which is pretty cool. Exactly. exactly. So do you want to go briefly into how your missions are going to work? Because I know there's been a few events over here, but there's a lot of people who are still looking going, oh, that seems very odd and aren't too sure how your missions work and what they are, basically. That's interesting. No one's ever said that before. It's uh, it's funny that you said that they are simple because people who play them for the first time oftentimes think they're complex for the first one or two mission times they play, and then it becomes second nature. But I may uh, be biased on that. I've played so many different sets and like DTC missions are big, really big in the UK, and they're probably more complex than yours, I'd say, because you've got your three tiers where you're having to add it all together and work it all out mid-game, whereas you've just got your basic maelstrom and your basic eternal war plus your three tertiaries which are quite easy to track yeah well we we've been doing this for a really long time like we've been running events since 2010 gt since 2011 and we have found that keep it simple stupid is a really really good design philosophy it may it, it makes it easy for the most amount of people to come and enjoy and we also try to stay close to the book missions as a, a, de, a design philosophy also so we try to take what the book gives us, stay as close to that as possible, but then streamline it and reduce some of the variables, the extreme variables for competitive play. And we have found that if you have two missions, an end of game and progressive missions, and then the bonus points, it makes it so that you can overcome a bad matchup, but that the mission kind of fades into the background and you're focusing on playing your army, not trying to remember really crazy mission guidelines and parameters that can be distracting. So, yeah, we, we intentionally try to keep it relatively straightforward. And we have found through a lot of player feedback that they're they're quite popular, actually. So we're always looking to fine-tune them, though, that's for sure. Yes, just to go for an example for everybody then, you've got Mission 1, which is your Dawn of War mission, Emperor's Will, worth four points to whoever wins that. You've got your Maelstrom, which is worth four points to whoever wins. And you guys do that quite differently, don't you? You've just got your little D6 chart. Yeah, you roll two d six, take two, and they're all they're all they're all maelstrom missions from the book. We just took the ones that are we don't have any that you can't achieve because they're silly. Both of them, either player can achieve. Sometimes because of board positioning, you can't, but they are it's possible to get them. And then yeah. um, that, and then we have the three bonus points, and that's it. It's very simple. Yeah, and we're talking about making a few minor tweaks to the missions next year. So. Yeah, because all the when we ask for player feedback after events, when we ask how do you like the missions, it's been universally it's like above ninety percent approval on the missions. So we've felt really confident that they have been doing the trick. One thing we found when we play tested a little bit over here in our group is scoring the maelstrom at the end of a game turn has a massive impact. What made you guys choose that route rather than at the end of a player turn? We get this quite a bit uh, where people feel like, oh, it should be at the end of the player turn. But there, there's pros and cons. If you do it at the end of the game turn, both players, and you, you generate your missions at the beginning of the game turn, both players see what the other player is trying to accomplish. Both players have a chance to try and counter. That's the philosophy behind it. 
Whereas if you generate it at the beginning of, a, beginning of a player turn, score at the end of a player turn, the other player doesn't have a chance to counter you unless by chance he happens to be in the right position. Um, we've tried it both ways at the last tournament we went to. We experimented with doing it at the end of the player turn. And our consensus was that it really didn't make that big of a difference. I think a lot of the difference is just perception. Yeah. And like a lot of people say, the guy go, that goes second has a big advantage. Um, but in my opinion, going the other way, you give the guy that goes first, first blood, uh, first chance to alpha strike, and first opportunity to jump on two objectives, score his, and possibly deny you on yours, even though he won't know what yours are. Yeah, it, it swings it quite a bit the other way. And the real problem is is I go, you go. That turn structure does not work for a game that has got as big as 40k is. Because the game was originally designed with like 20, 30 models. And now we're playing with like 100 plus, 200 models sometimes. It, the I go, you go format just isn't really... It, it, we shouldn't be using it in 40k the way it is played now, but it's, it would be extremely difficult to change that. Yeah, it's good to hear that, like, the way you guys are doing it, because I know, like, myself included, I've been looking at it going, oh, well, why have they done that? Why Because that does make second, you do have that advantage. But when you explain it in that way, you can see the thought behind it a bit more, rather than yeah, just doing it. Uh, we didn't just throw a dart at a board. <laughs> yeah. Top or bottom of turn. Oh, top or bottom it is. And it's funny, because, like, uh, I know a lot of people say, you know, the best way to win ITC missions is going second. Whereas most games that I'm playing in ITC, I like to go first. I like to get the Alpha Strike off. A lot of my armies are Alpha Strike lists, all that. So um, I, I guess it's just it's perception. So. It, it depends on the army and the opponent that you're playing against. Because we have people like, always go second, always go second. And humorously, one of the biggest proponents for always going second played Frankie, chose second, and Frankie Alpha Struck him off the table. <laughs> I was like, so what was that? It's always better to go second. Maybe not always, huh? You get your chance to prove the point there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not to rub it in or anything. It was just really funny because he, he beat that drum so hard and then he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, and so moving on, so cover the missions, everything. Your painting is that doesn't have any impact on the winner of the event, does it? You've just got that as a second reward in a way? We have, uh, you can't get any prizes if your army is not fully painted. And we define fully painted as three colors. Um, so you're, you're ineligible for prize support if your army is not fully painted. Uh, to win the tournament, the tournament champion is strictly battle points. Uh, we also have a Renaissance person award that is a combination of paying and painting, paying, playing and painting, excuse me. And then we have a hobbyist award that's strictly just appearance. And um, we award them all uh, equally in terms of prize support, but we do have, we do definitely have a bias towards the tournament champion uh, in terms of what we pay the most attention to. But everyone gets equal prize support, uh, equal equal uh, fanfare, so to speak. But we do, t just because we're tournament guys ourselves, we tend to focus on the tournament champion the most. Yeah, if you guys don't mind me asking then, roughly how much are you looking at, like, prize support-wise? Have you spent a few thousand covering the prize support for oh, many, many, mainly 40K, thousands. just because that's what everyone listening to this podcast will be interested in? Yeah, so the 40K champs will have... Uh, few thousand dollars put into it and then the itc has uh, many many thousands put into it um so like the winner of the itc last year paul mckelvey uh towel player he got a check for two grand for being the itc champion last year and then we also had custom trophies made 
tons of prize support, painted, I mean, it was crazy. And this year we're upping the ante. It's going to be even bigger than last year. And that's pretty sweet because the ITC, for anyone not listening, is just your own ranking system based on people using your event format, isn't it? Yep. And we track throughout the year every event that you go to. You get a, a score from the event for the ITC. We take your top four scores over the year. And then the person at the end, after the Las Vegas Open Champion, 40K Championships, the person with the highest score is the ITC champion, and they get a cash prize. A big, giant check, which was Frankie's idea. It was brilliant. We had them like those four-foot-long checks. Really <laughs> One of the really huge ones, yeah. the comical yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. It makes it exciting, right? People, people have started traveling to events just because they're ITC events because they want to get the points. So we have TOs that are like, we had five people come from four hours away just because we were an ITC event and they wanted to pick up more points. And that was the, that was the intent. The ITC, the goal was to get people to leave their local community, go out, travel to other events to support other people's tournaments, to meet new people, to become more involved with the bigger community. So you guys are finding people are getting more players at their events from being ITC players they wouldn't normally get. Yep. Yeah, a lot of TOs have been telling us that this year, which is really exciting. It's really neat to see that happen. That's pretty sweet. I know one thing I'm quite looking forward to uh, for Vegas is having every single table with a fat map because I've got I know I've got one myself and they are brilliant. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, it's. That does help a lot. Like visually, I think the Las Vegas Open is you know, top three tournaments in the world in terms of what it, the tables and with the fat mat and the terrain. It, visually, it's 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 quite impressive. And we started manufacturing our own terrain, which uh, Frankie can talk about the ITC terrain series, and that that is also going to help take it to the next level because it, the the quality of the terrain is going to be unlike anything anybody anything anybody has seen at a, a big tournament before. So what are you guys planning terrain-wise per table then? Are you going to have a standardized layout? So I, I know I've been to Nova previously, and that was every board will have a couple of this, a couple of that, a couple of that. Are you guys going to be similar, or is it just more of a bit everywhere? Uh, yeah, so we have we have templates um, that the guys setting up the tables will set up. Um, it's usually two line of sight blocking. Um, they're usually ruins. Uh, two extra ruins on the sides. Uh, two hills. Uh, two little like or four barriers and then a couple extra little pieces um, just so like every little piece of the board at least has something on it um, and then a, maybe a couple area terrain depending and you'll, those will vary depending on what table what mat and stuff like that yeah they're, they're geared to, to match the theme of the mat that they're on so we have like alpine like snow theme terrain and then we have like desert and swamp and forest and urban and um each table has a ton of ton of terrain on it, but it also looks visually it has a unified aesthetic. Uh, our goal is to have the best tournament tables in the business for sure. I think by 2017, especially when we've had a full year to manufacture our own terrain, it's going to blow people away. That's pretty sweet. Uh, I think that pretty much sums up the LVO, unless there's anything you guys want to add because. We've been through everything I can think of. No, I think just uh, we look forward to seeing all you guys and uh, anybody that's on the fence of coming, come on over. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's the last point I'd like to make is that the emphasis of the Las Vegas Open is not just the competition. It's not just 
the, the, the grand championships of the ITC tournament circuit, the year-long circuit. It's a social event. It's fun. It's super, super fun. Like, the pub crawl, just go look at the pictures. It's from the pub crawl. That'll tell you, <laughs> kind of give you an idea of what it's all about. I mean, everybody's got a smile on their face. You know, there's a bar in the in the hall, and it's it's just a blast. People bring their families. They bring their wives. They bring their girlfriend. They bring their buddies that don't play tabletop games, and everybody has a ton of fun, that, and that really is what it's all about is just having a great time, playing some games, and uh, really enjoying yourself away from normal, normal life. Sweet. Thanks very much, guys, for coming on. I'm sure we'll speak to you soon at some point. Yeah, thanks for having us on. We'll see you out there, buddy. Hi all, Matt here, joined by LVO champion, Sean Naden. That's right, my name becomes for yours, Nick. Fine, John, fine. And Nick Brown, sorry, Nanavati. <laughs> That's me. So we're all heading off to LVO again this year. Is Nick, what are you taking, Nick? Uh, I got the demons. Surprise, surprise. Hey, I almost played... Uh, a bunch of random crap in this tournament, but then you know how that goes. Well, Nick almost plays lots of lists until he realizes that demons are better. <laughs> you did try nids, didn't you, Nick? Take I tried after nids. Sean. I tried tons. I tried Demonkin. I even tried Dark Eldar or something. But yeah, it was a lot. And now you're using the exact same list as last year with one change. There's a lot of changes. I had four tonight. Go on then, go for your list, Nick. What is uh, there apart we, from Fate Wheeler? We got the Fate Wheeler, because he's the bro. We got two Heralds as each. We got two Heralds of Miracle. I got some upgrades. I don't feel like talking about them. Um, we got team into three Nerglings, seven Screamers, seven Neurons, and a Zinch Knight. And LVO so happened to rule that Zinch Knights from Forge World we roll ones in addition to doing Zinch Knight things. So, yeah. So you've got a five up re-rolling ones on all sides tonight. I mean, it's really a two up re-rolling. No, it's not. You just got to look at it the right way. Have you actually tested this idea? Uh, like twice. I have only played against Elgar. I've played them twice. And both times I won. So, so far so good. That's about it. Nice. I'm really, I actually don't know if I can kill Gladius before they just, like, objected me away. But You've got three units, you can kill five a turn, maybe? Hopefully. But then it's like a five-man tactical that charges my screamers, and I roll a little bad, can tie me up for a turn, that's real bad. Or like a rhino parks itself in front of my knight, and the knight just looks at it and kicks it. Hey. Thankfully, though, they're not using the crazy tank shock to just go, oh, look, a knight tank shock oh, instead. Oh, my God. That, that was not real. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad that vote did not go that way. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Sean, are you changing from your nids then, I've heard? Yeah, no more nids. <laughs> the year of nids is over. Nids have yeah, had their time. Eldar, like everyone. They've, they've had their time. <laughs> now you're going on to sisters to prove a point? <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough money in the world to buy a sister's army. <laughs> True. <laughs> Too expensive. I really want to make a mechanicus list, but that's also just a million dollars. 
Yeah, I saw somebody playing with that in the store the other day. It looked cool, but I don't know any of that. Mechanics is so confusing. I don't even know what it does. I don't even. I don't even know what any of the stuff does. It's a lot of random janky bullshit just thrown together. Yeah, the thing I'll probably just hit play somebody with it, and I just will like, uh, just tell me what you're doing, and I'll remove models. Thank you. <laughs> no, just tell me if I shoot this at that, will it die? No. What about that one? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I haven't really played a lot except ETC this year, and like no other singles events. So I really don't know what 40k is about. So it's kind of weird. But I decided to just play with my corpse leaf because I love it, and even if it's stupid, I don't really care. Plus, Nick is afraid of it, so that always <laughs> that means he's fine. When when in doubt, is if Nick is afraid of you, you're doing okay. <laughs> so yeah, I have some Eldar. Not too much cheesy shit. I think just one Warp Hunter for some Forge World nonsense. And uh, I actually added some fish people to the list. Oh my god! Are they Riptides? One Riptide and two Broadsides. Is Solo it the formation? Or is it just... Yeah, yeah, the Fireblade Cadre or yeah. something like that. I didn't know if that still existed. So yeah, but you don't have to take full broadside units. There's, so there's two solo guys. I have a solo <laughs> riptide. What is the point of that? To replace the solo liquors in your life? You know, I love solo things, Nick. <laughs> when they're alone, <laughs> they're better. Back in the day, you had your beast pack of like two razor legs and a guy. No, I like it for the uh, for the interceptor for Gladius. Uh-huh. Because, uh, I mean, I also have a void shield to keep my taluses invincible. And I feel like a lot of Gladius lists are only bringing, like, one unit of melted guns or whatever. So if you just intercept, like, two melted guns done, they can't even kill the Void Shields, and then you just sit there and laugh at their Centurions. Yeah, I've seen a lot of lists and ideas with Void Shields, because they're some crazy powerful with the rulings they've made. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have Fady fly up, shriek a broadside, and then kill it in the first blood. And then I'm going to beat you on that first blood. And it's going to be a mission with no first blood. Just to troll you. To, to... To answer that, you can't get, you can't shoot them with Shriek if they're inside the Void Shield. Fade will be inside the Void Shield. There's no space in my Void Shield for you. No space. Fade will make space. <laughs> <laughs> He'll make space. He'll make space. <laughs> Just shoot. But yeah, that's what this tower for. Just a little interceptor, because I feel like if you're only if you're bringing a single point of failure, and a lot of these Gladius lists are, if you just knock that out, you just laugh at them. I feel. So you're looking at everything that's going right. It's all grav. Where's that one melty unit? I'm after that. Yeah, that's what, and that's what I feel like. It's it's like one melty unit or like two last cannon razorbacks, and you're like, okay, the odds are not stacked in your favor. Or maybe like sometimes there's like a couple units of like one melty gun. Yeah, but if they're in rhinos, that really doesn't matter. That's true. It's the drop hot one that can get the first turn. Yeah, and I'm assuming that list you've never lose melts against Gladius. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm assuming it's impossible to lose Maelstrom against Gladius with that list as well. Oh yeah, I mean once you once you cancel out some of the grab and move forward, you take a Maelstrom like an even Maelstrom game or even with their head, and then all of a sudden it like lopsides really quickly. Yeah, maybe worth noting that ITC said any extra bonus points for things go towards the Maelstrom. So every unit that Talos kills is an extra Maelstrom point, which is pretty huge. Yeah, I was playing a Gladius the other day, and it, like after I aced the Centurions for the first two turns, and the Talus has moved out, 
then he got to the point where he's like, well, I need to kill them. So he charged me with three units. And I was like, thank you for all your victory points. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want to charge with Marines. I know. He's like, I don't you want to charge with drones either, apparently. <laughs> oh, no, they, they kill drones too, yeah. I don't really understand that one still. <laughs> we tried that twice in one game, right? <laughs> yeah. So, are you guys expecting... so what's the rest of your list, Sean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, so it's the Corpse Thief. Um, so that's the center point. So really, even though people keep telling me it's too slow, it's too weak, I tried a bunch of different lists and I just wasn't happy. I tried like a shooty Eldar list and I really wanted to like kill myself. So I went back to... I just to... think the Corpse Thief's going to get shot by like a Warp Hunter and die. Yeah. And then, so it's the Corpse Thief, uh, Autark, Wings, Banshee Mask, and three units of three jet bikes. With scar lasers? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a silly question. I thought that was obvious. <laughs> um, two units of hawks, warp hunter, and void shield, broadside, broadside, riptide. This is quite small. Yeah, where was the rest of the army? What do you mean? That's everything. <laughs> Sean, I feel like you're playing 1,200 points. Well, Talos, well, that's what Andrew tells me all the time. Talos is playing 400 points down. I mean, it's 600 points for the unit. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've got about 600 points there. Another 400 for Riptide and a Warp Hunter. Yeah, that's most yeah, of your I army. Don't, I don't understand what's in your army. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever understands your army, even it, because you just make it up. <laughs> There was one GT I went to last year. It was two years ago. I forget. And I was playing my demons. And I didn't make a list. I just didn't bring one to the tournament. And I just told every opponent what I was playing. I didn't have a problem until like one guy got upset. But like aside from that, I didn't have any problems. Were you changing your list every game? Every game. <laughs> you see, with demons, there's no upgrades. Like there's no like there's nothing to change. I have these models, and this is what they have. Like, like I guess I could not take Grim. I could say my grim is like a bunch of greater rewards. Yeah. That, that's, that's not going to happen though, is it? <laughs> what Nick doesn't understand is that all the demon army units do have upgrades. He just never takes the upgrades. <laughs> except for specific ones. So he thinks that those are just the natural things they come with. <laughs> like venom sting on his plague drones and whatnot. Uh, plague drones actually don't have venom sting this tournament. It's really sad. Oh, well, we need to remember that. We've got that on air. Recorded. They don't have <laughs> venom stink. So when I start oh, killing them, you, them... you get a chip marker that you trade in <laughs> next time you play Nick Nanavante. <laughs> <laughs> I do have Bale Sword, so don't think I'm just totally cheating here. Oh, I'm going to check your list if I ever see you. I'm not uh, yeah. going to bring one. <laughs> you also got. You also have to check and ask which one is the Feel No Pain Herald, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Do that in the beginning, because I'm not going to remember. And ask how much you said to drink. Before yeah. the game. Don't do that. Because he's never remembering at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. For everyone who's not met Nick, there's two types of Nick. Sober Nick, who will come on the podcast and talk about it. And Drunk Nick, who you meet at the table playing a game. <laughs> do not approach Drunk Nick. Where's <laughs> the you, you Broken thumbs. That's what I've heard. It's quite a common occurrence. Phone? Thumb. Thumbs. Thumbs. Oh, yeah. I've broken like half a team thumbs. It's actually pretty cool. 
in like a fucked up way. But it's like, I don't know, it's like a dream. It's like break every thumb onto America. Starting with Kurt's. I don't think you can break Kurt's thumbs. I don't know. I mean, I've broken Chester's and Gondos and Tony's. But Kurt's are like do. the same size as all those put together. Yeah, I'll, Kurt's the dream. He's like the final destiny. <laughs> Moving on from Kurt's thumbs. Uh, are you expect to see a lot of Gladius at Elvio? That's what yeah. I hear. So from what I've heard, and like neither Sean or I live on the West Coast, and they like play silly 40k over there. Um, it's just like Eldar and Gladius. Pretty much everything. And War Convocation, whatever that is. Yeah, random War Convocation always. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm trying to get a segment for this with you guys, with the West Coast guys and the UK guys, just to see what everyone's expecting. Um, I don't think anyone from the East Coast knows what War Convocation does. I don't think many from the West Coast or the UK does. <laughs> All I know is you have two turns of Stealth and Shrouded where you don't go near it. Oh, really? Is that what it does? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it has a bunch right of, like, once-per-game things it can use, because that's what the Adeptus uh, Mechanicus does or stuff. And then, like, War Convocation, you can use it, like, twice or something. Yeah, you can use one of the th- things twice. But I have seen one wipe out a Supposedly green tide. Supposedly they have, like, a two-up rollable guy, so they can all deploy really well. Don't know how that works or how that happens. Yeah. I've seen them, like, wipe out a green tide when they charged it in one go. Yeah, they have a thing... Where it's like every guy charges in and like they have three strength for him around each. So it's like an ass ton yeah, of him. It's about. like every model engaged rather than at base or something. Oh, it's every, yeah, that's what it is. So you they're charge just, him like his full And it doesn't guys. have to be, it doesn't have to be the turn you charge. So you can like wait around, have everyone pile in really well, and then hit him with like 120 strength. It's force. like his 40 guys go. 120 yeah. automatic hits. Bye bye. What? Yeah. yeah. They can do silly stuff like that. It's one of those armies where no matter what game you want to play, they can play that game. Yeah, it's like Plus it's like a different version. Drop of pods of grab and shit like to that too, right? Yeah, they have a lot of their uh, their little mini sense are like sense with four saves, but they shoot as much. Yeah, it's like thirteen range, five shots. Yeah, but only four up save. Only four up save. So, so if my void shield keeps kicking, then I'm okay. Yeah, because. Does Zambar work on Void Shield? Because they have an I don't think it does in the ITC. Okay. I think they said no. No what? Hey, why does it hit. work? Yeah, nothing works against the Void Shield in the ITC. <laughs> it's just Melter and Scatter Lasers. Lots of Scatter Lasers. I really want these pancakes. No, we're recording. They're bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think we're going to see Gladius... Well, from what I've heard, Gladys is going to be huge in those missions. Voice yeah, generators. so I, I don't understand, though, like, what how, what Gladys players plan on doing through the kill point round, because I really don't see a way they can get past that. I and mean, You're not going to win the LVO unless you don't defeat them, unless you get really lucky. Well, are they planning on doing kill points, because that's round two now, isn't it? Yeah, kill points is round two. Is that going to be round eight? Uh, I don't know if that's how it works. Uh, but that's the case, Gladys. Last last year it was round eight, Matt. Yeah. But I don't know if the the missions on the final day are, are more random. I know they told me that mission six is always the championship round, but I don't know if the other two missions that day are, are more of just a random draw. Because mm-hmm. yeah, if you end up having two kill point missions in nine games, then that's when Gladys is really going to struggle. Yeah, but will it if? 
a lot of other people bring gladius so you end up your odds <laughs> well, if are you can if you can get in the gladius mirrors like that then it's like a crapshoot plus if it's round if it's round two is the kill point mission you could 50 percent of the time you like that the odds of you getting a bad player that round, i don't even know like like how bad, bad do you have to be to lose to gladius and kill points like you have to be really bad for that yeah but you, it's not about that nick because all they have to do to beat you is get more secondaries and still beat you on Maelstrom, and yeah. then they win. They just try that's not true. to that's win true. kill points. They don't. They can just yeah. ignore. They just it. don't care. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They just ignore the mission. Which thank God they actually changed their kill point mission. Yeah, so now you. Because like literally up until two months ago, it wasn't a kill point mission. It was a <laughs> MSU mission. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah, they changed all the Maelstrom ones around, didn't they? They uh, changed all the secondaries for it, which were absurdly MSU based. It was like. Linebreaker, quarters, and King of the oh, Hill. That's right. That's right. It might, yeah, it might have been King of the Hill or something like that. Or no, it might have even been stu- something stupider. Like, oh, it was. It was take ground. So it was like contest or control two objectives. Up until <laughs> months ago, that was right. their their kill point mission. So it was like literally, it was like, so all I have to do is play Maelstrom and uh, MSU wins all these secondaries. There's no point. Like, so they changed it to make it more fair. Yeah, to it's first blood warlord linebreaker now, isn't it? Yeah, so if the Gladius gets first blood, and then just throw everything at the Warlord and beat you on Maelstrom, and the, you know they don't really care about the kill points. So watch out for that, Nick. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna ignore the mission and just kill people. That's the plan. Do that at your peril, though. I, I he's not gonna peril. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, not that at your own peril. <laughs> Oh, simple words, Sean. Simple boy. <laughs> oh, that that will be interesting with Nick. Like he had one guy left, but you lost Nick. He had one guy. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Know. Read the missions this year, Nick. It's really important. You know who you are. You know what you're saying. It is the yeah. typical thing I've ever been told. Yeah, this is Sean. Who last time you were on the podcast, I don't read the missions or their army list. I just ask yeah. them how to kill the stuff. <laughs> it's bad. I'm pretty but, sure you no. literally lost games because you didn't read the mission. Yeah, you lost Adepticon because you didn't know the flying monsters scored in Bigum or something. Oh yeah, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> but no, what what else I think is interesting that you got to do is like I don't normally care about first blood, but I feel like you need to in these missions. Yeah, if first blood is if, huge if it's a thing. Like, yeah. if you can get it easy, even if it's, like, t- like normally you'd want to, like, tactically shoot at, like, their best stuff, you know? If you can pick up an easy first blood, I feel like you have to go for it. Yeah. Because, like, you, you come down to the end of the game and you tie primary, tie yeah, secondary. That's, that's absolutely, absolutely a thing. Like, on and my they, first turn, I won't summon a random unit. It's crazy. Yeah, it's one of those... You don't want to summon first blood when you could have gotten it, if, you know? It's one of the only things going where you can stop your opponent from getting it and you still score it. Yeah. Yeah. Like line breaker, warlord. And it becomes the tiebreaker for the game, really. Like if you both win one of the primaries, like that game is likely to come down the first blood. Yeah. And I know I asked Reese and Frankie on the, uh, when I was talking to them on Wednesday, like why they have the mails from a secondary, uh, end of the game turn, and they were saying, yeah. oh, it gives the other player a chance to react. But do you guys think, in like okay. the missions you've tested, going second is huge? I think it's, oh, it's so huge. The second, like. I can't think of one time where I would ever want to go first. Yeah, I can think of like maybe one reason to go first, but it wouldn't like it would only be like in a siege scenario where like they put yeah, stuff yeah, out there. Yeah, if you're there, seizing, like, like there's no tr- point in like, if you could like cripple cripple them like completely. 
by seizing against like a psychic star or something before they get the buffs up. You know, that's about it. Yeah, when you've not planned to go first, they've just made a mistake. Yeah. 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 Every mission I've played, I found it's like, oh right, cool, I'm going first. I'm actually. Oh, I can't it's get probably going to be really absurd how many games are just decided by the dialogue. But like they they talk on the West Coast, they talk about going first as being the most important thing, like all the time. And like I don't That's get true. It. Like if you talk to them, they're like, yeah, I lost World first. That game was way harder. It's like, what are you talking about? I suppose they're probably taking a lot of more lists that are open to be alpha struck or trying to alpha strike because a lot of these gladius lists they might be pod gladius a lot of the time yeah where they want to go first and get the alpha strike but yeah that was like the thing at LVO last year going second was so powerful that the fact that Lictor Shame didn't care and I just was like oh spore mines fuck you and I would go second all the time like and it was just you always had last laugh which is mhm yeah and really the demons function similarly. Like, if I have to melt the point, I'll just put the drones in the room. And you're not going to do anything to them. And play from there. Yeah, that's why I found, like, I've tested a few different armies. And you come to one, it's like, I need to be mobile. I need to be able to null deploy. And I need to be able to kill Gladius. Mm-hmm. They're the three things I've tested mainly. You get, like, wolf stars pretty big over here. And, like, other death stars. Where I know from talking to a couple of guys... They're not seeing too many of those out there? Um, I don't know. I feel like their mission setup is really not the mission's really hurt Wolf Star, I think. Like, I mean, even though they changed their kill point... Like, before they changed their kill point mission, you would be a dumb, dumb person to ever bring a Super Death Star there because the kill point mission was not a kill point mission, so you would lose the one mission you were designing your army to beat, you know? But yeah. even now, like, their Maelstrom is... A lot of it is really unforgiving, and even their like end game stuff is is unforgiving to Death Stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it seems well, to be a very MSU kind of meta. Yeah, definitely. I think Sir Council is going to take a back seat in this one, just because of all the psychic power. Yeah, like if you can only cast the same power once, it like instead of really... four shrieks, it's one shriek. Instead of two chances at invisibility, it's one chance at invisibility. Like I feel like definitely ways a factor in. Plus, I feel like a lot of them use like the War Convocation with Caluxus. I feel like the Caluxus is a lot more prevalent with 3-Source that yeah, yeah you, you're going to run into that matchup maybe two or three times where they're like, oh, drop pod Caluxus, your whole army dies. Thanks for playing. It was really weird at the AOC event we did because there was a lot of people going, I'm taking a Caluxus for all these Death Stars. There's a big group of people saying, I'm not taking a Death Star because of all the Caluxus. Really. But then there's about half the group when I asked them were they're going, I'm not taking a Calexus. I'm just hoping that other people bringing one will scare off enough people to not bring Death Stars. So yeah. it was quite a psychological meta where people yeah. weren't bringing Death Stars because they thought people were bringing Calexus, even though the people they thought were were relying on others too. Yeah, I, I had one on my list until a week ago. I had a lot of fun with it, but Colossus just sucks, honestly. Um, but only Eldar Death Stars are the ones that really give a shit about stuff because, like, demons don't care at all. They care a little bit. No, I don't care at all. I suppose when you've got, like, your Grim and everything, you can just charge your Clexus and go, I'm still on a 2 up in one. I'm not actually I mean, going to die. You're not relying on that. You can just summon Screamers and have them sweep attack them and 
he's made of paper, he'll just fall over from that. Or like, if he's in a building trying to hide, you can summon flamers and do like 3d6 hits to him right off the bat. Yeah. I found that Kluxus with the Corpse Thief made the Demon Wet matchup so easy for me that it was a joke. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, think, I don't know how Todd played that game against you. Because if you fly Screamers near me, you're giving me victory points. Yeah, Screamers wouldn't go near that. Unless it's, <laughs> it's, a, unless it's a summon unit, like my Screamer Storm, so I wouldn't go near that. No, but even summon unit, you're giving me victory points. Oh. Yes. You're making the mission easy yeah, by not. killing the Kluxus, but harder by giving up points. I mean, that's okay. I'll sacrifice a point to win the game, which it means I can just move around the table where I want now. Apart from there. Does it mean that, though? <laughs> no. No, Sean, I'll, like, not kill the Kalexis and then die. <laughs> and then send another unit in. I'll have a grim plague drone, cursed earth, plague drone, star charge the corpse, and they'll all die. I don't understand. <laughs> it's just averages. It's just averages, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> There. So, apart from those kind of lists and stuff, what else you got planned for Vegas then? Is your, your wife going with you, Sean? Or no, not this year. She was there last year for uh, business at like the same time, which was nice. But her her conference isn't until the end of the month. So you're so, all alone to party this year. All alone to party. I don't think I'm gonna party much in Vegas this year. I'm just gonna. Go to it's an expensive town. Relax. Sleep a lot. Well, I know yeah. we're going out on the Wednesday, Nick, so... I mean, no, I was, I was total bullshit. I'm going out like every single day. <laughs> no. I'm old now, so going out is not a huge thing for me, but I'll probably do it like once. One when, night. When are you getting in, Sean? Wednesday morning. Ooh. You should come with us Wednesday. Yeah. We don't have a ninth yet, do we? I have no idea. We're doing a... Bottle service had some club. It's a hundred bucks. Yeah, we'll play it by ear. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's. I don't like to associate too much with Nick because I like to eat him in the morning, you know, on the table. All the entire game plan is to get me like drunk and shit the night before, get himself a good night's sleep. Nick's winning, winning percentage versus me is sharply inverse of what time we play during the day. <laughs> it's, it's a... <laughs> If it's first thing in the morning, it's like zero percent. Zero percent chance of Nick winning if we play first round in the morning. Uh, and I think it's a hundred percent if you play if we play, play like round three. three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'll play round two this year to a fifty-fifty. Yeah, yeah, it'll be like halfway between awake and. Uh, but the West Coast, the West Coast timing throws it off. I feel because like I feel like by the time it's ten o'clock on the West Coast, we're already in afternoon mode in the East Coast. Oh, no, good. see, I feel like I adjust the times really well because when I go to new places, I just don't sleep. So no. uh, it's gonna mess me up so bad. Doesn't doesn't matter to me at all. Uh, I think that's I, what, that's I don't know. Getting... Even when I go to Europe, like I adjust in like less than a day. Yeah, I think I'm leaving my house at six a.m. UK time, getting to Vegas six p.m. their time, which is actually about two a.m. my time, and then we're going out for a bit. Mm. So it's going to be a proper I, mess. If I were up you, there. I'd just try to sleep as much on the plane and then just adjust and like stay up and swung as you need to. Yeah, it's one of those where, because it's a midday plane flight, it's just messing everything up. Yeah, if you went to sleep right when you got to Vegas, you'd probably be good for the rest of the week. But right. Yeah, well, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think the plan is food, a couple of drinks, 
sleep till like lunch the next day just to try and adjust. Yeah. Cause we're there on the Monday, so we've got a couple of days to. Oh, adjust. you're there Monday, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I went like four to five or something. Okay. Maybe it's early. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. So we'll all go get a, a few drinks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What is there? What's a must see then before I get there? <sighs> Vegas is. I've only been there once, but they have a lot of things. Depends on your taste, really. So now I'm looking like. I think I've got to go show one night. I'm doing the Grand Canyon in a helicopter with the Hoover Dam. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at like all these like buffets you hear of, all the massive <laughs> casinos. Are all those worth doing? Or uh, the buffets I did last year. I was not a big fan, but I am also not a big breakfast person. If you are, probably worth a lot more to you. Um, the casinos are just you know you're gonna waste your money, but that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I think we were going to spend a day just walking around all the casinos just to... Because they're all done up, like, stupidly extravagant, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw... A, like, last year we were in the Flamingo, which was really old. But then uh, when my wife came, we we ended up staying in New York, New York, which is pretty cool. And then we walked through a bunch of them when we were meeting up with, like, her business partners and stuff for drinks and stuff that night. Some of them were pretty cool. Yeah, because yeah. we're staying in Bali's Casino this year... Which is that the one at the back of Caesars? I have no idea. Oh, I'm not sure if it's the hotel side of it or something, but all the pictures I've seen looks really nice. I am so hungry. <laughs> right. Uh, thanks for coming on there, guys, and I will speak to you again in Vegas. Yep, awesome. I'll see you later, Matt. Hi, all, Matt here, joined by Ben Cromwell. And Hello. Alan Avendano. It's got to be yes. close. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Uh, so you guys come on just to chat about uh, the LVO for a bit and give a bit of a perspective from some guys a little bit closer, or in Alan's case, literally around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Alan, you're fro- living in Vegas at the moment, we've just been saying. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's pretty cool. Like I, like I mentioned, it's... Um... It's a lot different than uh, visiting, that's for sure. Uh, and so I'm guessing you're looking forward to the event being around the corner. Yeah, it is. Um, it, the Bally's Casino, where the LBO is going to be held, is about, I'd say, 15 minutes from my house. And I live in the southwest part of Vegas. That's pretty good. Are you going to be staying at the hotel just for a one-off fuck it, or are you going to stay back home? You know, I think one of my friends is going to stay at my place and basically the rest of the teammates are staying at the at the hotel itself and we'll probably just go and hang out with them on the strip and then when, it time's, when it's time for us to go back, you know, I don't know what time we're going to be back because, it, you know, when your friends are in town and it's Vegas, it, I tend to have a lot more fun when my friends are in town um, than actually going to the strip by myself or anything, you know. Um, there's a lot more to look forward to, I guess, when it comes to, you know, being entertained and there's always something to do, so there's that. So what made you pick Vegas then? Was it a party lifestyle or is it actually a decent uni there? <clears throat> Honestly, um, 
I, I'm going for architecture at UNLV, so I started, you know, I, tra I graduated from Bakersfield College, which is where the rest of my teammates are from. Um, there's actually a couple, we, we're now a little spread out. There's a couple of our guys up in, we have one guy up in Oregon, we have a guy down in Victorville, and we have another guy up in Fresno, which is about a, a little north from, from Bakersfield, and me now in Vegas. So our team, you could say, is a little, is expanding quite a bit, uh, the NWO GT team. Um, but basically our main main place where everybody, the majority of our members are, are in Bakersfield. And I graduated from their college last, uh, last 2000, it was 2014 fall. So I transferred over to 2015 spring to UNLV for architecture. And I like it. It's, it's, a, it's a good school. It's just a, a little different university system from the Bakersfield College community system. <laughs> Do you find there's much of a 40K scene out there or is the LVO? The ones a year blow out for 40k over there. <clears throat> to be honest, uh, 40k is kind of a Deadpool here in here in uh, in Vegas. It's there's not a big scene going. Um, I know that recently, um, around the same time I moved here, Dawson Hendrillet from um, it's the uh, what's that called? It's uh, Imperial Voxcast. It's a different podcast. He moved down here, and um, you know I saw him at a couple tournaments, but. You know, it's one of those things where it's the com the competitive community isn't very large. So, you know, there's different ways. It's a there's a large 40k community that people just don't want to get tournaments going. You know, that's kind of a bummer because I'm I'm a competitive player. I like to go to the big tournaments and you so, know if I yeah. I was just gonna say there's a nice big social scene, but not much competitive edge down there. Exactly. You know, um, it's it's actually at the moment I wouldn't say it's a large social scene you know we have a gw uh the closest shop on my house is a is a gw which is right down i'd say a couple blocks from my house uh they they have a lot of people there that are regulars but it's hard to get people to go um it's just uh people don't want to play competitive and they get discouraged pretty easily here in in the valley i'd say so ben if you're still there yeah, yeah, you're you're traveling a bit. You're not quite just around the corner, are you? No, I'm about uh, nine hours away. Is that, are you driving I, over there? Are you getting a flight? Uh, no, we have a huge group coming down from Boise of like sixteen people. So we're gonna carpool down. You should just all get like a big coach or something, just a party coach. <laughs> a big tour bus type thing. Yeah, to get strippers, music, drink. Mm -hmm. That's one way go. to get to a GT. Yeah. yeah. Have you not considered something like that? Uh, I well, the price of a of something like that is actually quite expensive. You just get. Oh, that wouldn't be too bad. Cause it's only for one day. Get in there, nine hours. Well, then you have to get back. Yeah. Don't worry about that part once you're there. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, so, what are you driving down with? In terms of army, or what do you, what do you mean? Yeah, army-wise. Uh, I'm gonna be playing War Convocation. So I just started playing it at. Uh, I took it for the first time at the T shift. That was last weekend. So, maybe running a variant of that. Cool. So, is that just? One of everything, and then what have you gone for? Where you've had a bit of choice when you've been able to get in there? Uh, you have a well. It takes up probably I don't know, four, 
1500 or so, 1500 of your points are basically preset. So you have you have around 400ish to 300 depending on like what kind of night you take and stuff to to play around with point wise, but big chunks of it are preset for you. It's quite interesting actually because I've done the recording for this show with the East Coast guys. I was with Sean Ned and Nick Nanavati earlier today, and we were talking yeah. about walk on vacation and trying to work out what it actually does. So, so could you take a little bit of time just to go through what it actually does for my benefit and anyone else listening, and what all your crazy options uh, are? Well, the biggest thing about it is, is it's very because you get all of your war gear and weapon options for free. Uh, and and then everyone also gets the um, mechanicals of the Omnisaya in the army. It becomes a very like toolbox kind of army. So a lot of its abilities are only usable once per game. But if you can correctly figure out when to use each of the special abilities to suit what you need at that particular time, it can. I mean. It can do almost anything. It can kill most things in hand-to-hand combat. It can shoot things off the table. It can, it can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, one of the things it can become incredibly durable for a couple terms by by giving everything in the army stealth and shrouded. So one of the things I said to the guys before was, it's kind of an army that can play any army at its own game. Yeah, no, it absolutely can. Like I've played. I played uh, like a, a real heavy. I think it was a three knight list, but he was running that gallant formation. Oh yeah, and I killed all of the knights on turn two in hand to hand combat. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> or I played. Go ahead. No, I said I was going to say that's a lot of uh, armor killing potential. Well, yeah, he caught you. You know, he came in with the knights, and I was like, okay, well, once per game, I get, uh, I can give myself plus three weapon skills, so I'm going to do that. And then, once per game, I'm going to give myself plus three strength, so I'm going to do that. And then I charge you with a couple units that all of a sudden are like strength nine, and you know, okay, I'm going to lose my 160 point unit, but I'm going to kill your 300, and, you know, 300 and whatever point knight. Yes, just it's a lot about knowing when to use the buffs you need. In what situation? So basically, it has the. It's an incredibly finesse-based army, similar to like a a psychic-dependent Eldar army, with the added complexity of you only get to use those devourers once per game. So it's like if you if your synergy is based around like a a, an Eldar Farseer getting off his psychic buffs to do things for you, it's basically like that, except you only get to cast that power once per game. So you have to time it correctly. So a one-use-only fortune when you're about to get shot by Exactly. A you're tower. like, oh, yeah, I need this fortune. right, But it goes off automatically and you can't stop it, but you only get it once. There are some you can use twice, though, isn't there? Uh, no. Well, you can use one of the canicles twice per game, and that's it. So basically the, the, the one of the command benefits instead of getting OPSEC is you can use one a second time. Do you find that stealth shrouded a lot, or no? That's what I've yeah. seen used against me quite a lot. Uh, so there's three. It depends on what you're fighting against. The three primary would be stealth shrouded, re, uh, the reroll uh, to hit. So it it depends on. They also depend on how many guys or units are in your army. But it's either reroll ones, reroll ones and twos, or twin linked to for shooting. 
Uh, and then the other one that I've used quite a bit is the bonus to strength. Just when you really need to kill things in combat. Yeah, because people will get caught off guard, like um, flesh hounds. Like I see a lot of uh, MSU-style um, flesh hound KDK armies and stuff like that. And then I can easily juice my guys all the way up for a turn or two to strength eight. And then, you know, that's just instant killing dogs, so... Yeah. Uh, do you reckon we'll see many war convocations at the LVO no. then? No. No. Well, you'll probably see... I mean, you'll definitely see some, but I don't think any of the East Coast guys are going to bring any, or the Midwest guys, or none of the Canadians that are coming, and I don't think anyone that I know of from uh, Europe or New Zealand is, is bringing any. Um, so pretty much it seems like the only people that might be bringing them are the handful of guys on the West Coast. Yeah. So I'm going to say probably... I'm, I, w I would say less than 10% of the field. Well, 10% is like 30-odd players, so that's quite a lot still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess when you're talking overalls, though, you're going to see a lot of Tau, uh, Marines, Eldar... And demons, I would, I would imagine. What yeah. makes you think the uh, war convocation isn't going to be massively popular then, just on the west coast? Uh, I don't even think it'll be massively popular on the west coast. But I hear some of the more competitive players from the east coast talking on some of the chats and stuff like that. They just don't think. I guess, I guess maybe a lot of people over there aren't running it, so they're not quite familiar with exactly how it works. And that seems to be a general theme with the whole army, like. I don't, unless I'm playing another person that's played Warwick Convocation, my opponent has no clue what it does. Yeah, I found that quite a lot of here. It's like when I played them, I'm like, right, those guys are toughness three, I want to get in combat. Those guys are toughness four, are going to shoot me. Those guys are yeah. going to shoot me a bit more. Right. That's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that, so that's how you can catch people with some of the trickiness of the army. Is when, like, all of a sudden I charge you with something and I go, oh, I'm plus three strength now. And they're like, oh, shit, wait a minute. So what strength are you now? Oh, I'm strength nine. And I have basically Tesla close combat weapons, so any sixes to hit become three hits. Nice. So... And, all, and, all of a sudden, and all of a sudden I hit your knight with, you know, 27 strength nine hits. And then you're like, oh, well, that's a good knight. Yeah, the knight's looking going. So those guys are only two plus four. Oh, wait, wait, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> So if you don't know what's going to happen, and then of course, if you don't really know, you'll, you'll screw up on your target priorities, like what units you need to actually shoot at. So you learn you've made a mistake after you've made the mistake. Yeah. Ooh. I think we've been joined by Julia and a lot of noise. Hey, are we here with some guys? Hey, are you driving or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm on start right now. Ah, uh, that might have been the, the revving then. <laughs> but I don't, like I was saying, I don't think it'll be that popular there. I mean, there'll definitely be some, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a a dominating presence. No, that's quite hey, interesting. Hey, Ben. What's up? Uh, I've done the mistake. Uh, he had a his tech piece watered all by himself, right? On foot. Yeah. And I was like, sweet, he's all by himself now, I can shoot him. So I go and I, I choose my Davis, my Davis squad to shoot him with the grab cannons. Uh, I do six wins yeah. on my P2. 
And he goes, all right, I'm just going to go to ground for a two pinball save. Yeah, yeah two pinball like, What? Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, when he goes to ground, he gets a two plus pinball save. Yeah. And I was like, well, that would that would have been nice to know before I shot him. <laughs> so, of course, the, the, the thing about when, when you get all of your war gear for free, you basically start taking all these little completely niche items that you would never spend points on otherwise, but now all of a sudden you're like, there's this random thing that happened, and oh, I have a piece of war gear that could do something that you would never spend points on before. Yeah, it's only worth in that one-off situation, but if you're not paying for it, it's always worth yeah, like, it. No, yeah, nobody's going to buy Arc Malls for their Rangers and Vanguards in a normal army, but all of a sudden now I have a a power mall that also has the haywire special rule to where my little 55 point dude can come over and knock a couple whole points off of any vehicle but how many points would they be normally like 20 yeah so it's just you look at it and go eh or you look at it and go eh that's for Plus it's, yeah, all you do with those in, in a non war convocation list is bring them for their special weapons like the, the three shot plasma guns or the, the the haywire rifles or whatever, and then you don't you don't spend any more points on them. So, but now that you're in a situation where where you get it all for free, you're like, well, now my sergeant has a four plus invul save, and if he passes his four plus invul save, all enemy units within d6 inches have to take blinding tests, and he's got an arc maul that's a haywire close combat attack, and uh, they can all take relics, so some random you know relic that'll do something in the game, maybe at some point. So you've got pretty much every option you could need. Yeah, but it's again, it's one of those things where you have to correctly use it at the appropriate time, or you will you will fall apart because it is not without those special abilities. It is not a durable army. Nice. Uh, so, Alan, what are you taking to Vegas? I'm what? taking demons and CSM. Uh, I have I'm taking primary demons, CSMs. Uh, Basically secondary and then, or allies, and I'm taking a Chaos Knight as well. Are you trying to go for the two plus reroll? Yeah, that's what I'm going for. That's um, crazy. Um, basically, my list is um, I'll run I'll I'll basically run it down. I have Fate Weaver as my Warlord. Um, I'm running a Bloodthirster of Incident Rage with two time with two greater rewards, and I have a demon. Daemon Prince of Zinch, Demonic Flight or Forged Armor, Exalted Reward, and of course he's going to be going for the Grimoire, um, Mastery Level 2, and I have two squads of Nurglings with that, that's my initial cat, and I have Bellacor and Cultists, and a Knight Errant of Zinch. Now, this army is like, it's very elite, I'd say, um... I played a couple games with it. I'm actually not super comfortable with it yet. Uh, that's never good going into a GT, of course. Um, I know demons and I know knights, but uh, just because I'm the I'm I'm the demon and knight player for our for a GT team, but I I just I don't know. I, I'm not very comfortable with it yet, just because the fact that it has a lot of counters. I believe with a lot of the stuff that is out in the meta at this point in time. Uh, personally, like uh, Ben uh, ended up uh, stating out earlier, uh, the War Convocation, I played a, a guy you know, um, from another team back in our hometown, and he was running War Convocation, and that game didn't, didn't go very well. Um, 
I ended up actually getting, uh, I ended up losing. I didn't even get a second turn, I think. It was pretty bad. But um, it was, uh, and, um, his name's Andrew Hilland. He's from uh, Baco Brawlers. He's a, another GT team from Bakersfield. But um, he's a good player, too. Um, uh, I tip my hat out to him because I, I, I don't end up losing very often that way. Um, but he, yeah, it was just like one of those things where I didn't really know what was going on. And I made the mistake of letting him go first just because I wanted to see what his deployment would be like and what was going to go on. And the, deploy, the, the terrain didn't end up helping a lot. I didn't have stuff to hide behind. Uh, not a lot of line of sight blockers, and I paid the price for it. You know, I, I think he ended up killing my demon prince uh, with a grimoire first, and then he went after all the other rest of the stuff. But it was pretty bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> if you can kill that grimoire, yeah, that's that's clutch. Plus another, it's yeah. I am in love with this army just because it's so much fun to play the war convocation because you're always thinking of like. What ability do I need to use now, and, and, and yeah. when do I hold things? But one of the other things it has is it has uh, almost an unparalleled ability to determine what mysterious objectives are, mm -hmm. which in a game against a flying circus can be critical when you'd be like, oh yeah, that that objective that my you know knight warden is standing on, that's now mm -hmm. Skyfire. Yeah. Yeah, like you were saying, that list is quite elite. You've got, what, 11 models? I have one... Two, three, four. I have a little more than eleven. It's about almost twenty models, but it's less than twenty, and a lot of the little guys end up dying pretty quickly. You know that. Oh yeah, so. I, I just don't count cultists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Have, besides the cultists. Did it have a summoning element to it? I didn't. Yeah. Um, basically, the way my play, the way I play this list is, I end up summoning mostly with Fate Weaver. And the Demon Prince, um, both of them, I just shoot up in the air, you know, and I try to keep them alive, keep them safe, and I just summon from each, set, each end. Uh, the Bloodthirster, I try to go for the two greater rewards. I try to go for the reroll uh, invulnerable saves on it, or, um, or, or I tend to get, um, like, it will not die or, you know, some other greater reward in there. Um, uh -huh. So I try to go for those. Um, you know, I've, I've seen other variants of the Bloodthirster be played like this. Uh, actually, the same variant, but um, I've seen it be played, and I still want to bring this up because I'm still very conflicted over it, and I'm, my team hasn't been able to really figure it out. We've tried to reach out to Frontline, but they haven't gotten back to us on it. The Colossal Special Rule on the Bloodthirster's Axe, the D-Axe. Yeah, cur currently, as far as I know, everything it does not transfer to other weapons if you take, like, Demonic Gifts to get the Axe of Corn. Okay, so he can strike at initiative. That was the way it's been played uh, at the BAO and all the other ones by Alan P Pajama Pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the that's the way it has been. I haven't seen anything to indicate otherwise. Yeah, um, you know, because the way it's worded on the axe, the rules is it says that any model just having this weapon on it strikes always has to strike at initiative one for some weird reason, you know. So that's what threw me off, to be honest. Yeah, but there's also a rule in the book that says special rules of weapons don't transfer to other things unless specifically stated otherwise. And I think that is what they're using as like the guideline for it. Yeah, that that one is a bit iffy because it's the model rather than with this weapon. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You, you can see that going both ways pretty easily. Yeah, it's why I I didn't know exactly how other people were ruling it, but if that's the way it's going to be ruled, then I you know I appreciate that. 
Thank you for clearing that up. That's the way it's been played. I can tell you that much at the least. That's yeah. the way it was played at Bay Area Open and some of their previous tournaments. So I can, I can tell you that much. Cool. And then, you know, that basically the that's the <clears throat> my so the you know, besides summoning my fate we were in with Demon Prince, I try to keep the nurglings in reserve, you know. I, I try to always I have a habit of just, you know, walking one squad on just in case for emergencies, you know, you have an objective on your side of the field. And I try to just deep strike the the other squad when convenient. Um and it's just an objective, you know, secured unit that if you know, if maybe if the opponent lets them live, you know, they could go ahead and cap a, you know, crusade or something objective or take it away from them. Um, so I try to just keep one just kind of loose and out there and I try to keep the other ones close to my own backfield. And I have um, my cultists will be walking on most of the time, basically all the time. Um, so they'll be in reserve uh, during deployment. Bellacor is there for invisibility. Um, I always try to just cast invisibility on the either whatever's convenient. I would say depending on what, you know, the field is like and I would rather toss it on the, not so much the knight, but I'd probably toss it onto the um, the bloodthirster most of the time, to be honest. Um, uh, with Fate Weaver, once I roll on all his, you know, I have to roll one from each, basically four powers from the book. Um, I would go ahead and choose. I always choose um, a malefic, so I go for demon um, the demonology, of course, and I try to go for. Um, you know, I try to go for invisibility on on the um, telepathy, and I try to give them just um, you know prescience or any or yeah prescience or anything else that I can you know give my fate weaver that'll help out maybe the knight or the um, or the bloodthirster. So I have that. You know, the knight errant. I am still kind of working around the list a little bit. Um, right now, he's just as demons of uh, uh, a knight errant of Zinch. So he can have the reroll ones for all his invulnerable saves, um, which is nice because you know if you throw the grimoire on him, he's going to be a two plus with a with a you know reroll ones. Then you for ITC, of course, it's four plus after that. But that's basically how the list runs runs down. It's mainly that I have the two units running up forward, and I try to keep the summoning stuff. So I have two big distractions with summoning element to it. Um, you know, I've, I won some games and I lost some when I was in Bakersfield, you know, my teammates, I always, I always say they're good players and, uh, you know, they, they give you a tough time. So I played two different, uh, nid lists. I beat one and I lost against the other, but I knew how to, what to do against the other one. It was a heavy fly rent list. Um, both of them were, and, uh, which is pretty standard now for nids. Um, what I've seen as, as of recently, but I I don't know yet, you know, that the list is very, like, if something falls apart, it ends up all falling apart pretty quickly. Yeah, I suppose once you lose two key models in that list, that's almost yeah. 50%. Whereas another <laughs> list can lose a couple of models and not feel the impact as much, but we always, it is very, oh shit, Fate Weaver's down. Oh shit, yeah. Grimoire's down. That's mm -hmm. huge. Exactly. So the main goal is to try to keep them alive while keeping the other guys out there, you know, um, trying to kill stuff. Um, I, you know, the army hits hard when it when it needs to, and if I can summon enough stuff, I can go ahead and hold my own against. Uh, I think some MSU armies as well, because um, I I was doing pretty well on the on the summoning. 
I was summoning at least 10 to 20 models a turn, so I normally just go for the straight summoning. And then from there, you know, I just spam pink horrors and try to get more warp charges out there and summoning more stuff. And eventually, you keep summoning enough stuff, you get um, you have the ability to probably get out of Monstrous Creature or something with possession. Yeah, your summoning just kind of escalates itself, doesn't it? Uh, do yes. You, do you find you're normally walking the Blood First around then if you've got invisibility on him? rather than flying him you know um depends on the situation for me um like i played against um lists basically i played like about six games um then i lost three and i won about three when i was in town i went to go visit my friends in bakersfield about a week uh, about two weeks ago stayed there for about 10 days and uh again that that was basically my lbo practice so um i ended up getting I ended up losing about three, and I won three, which was, you know, pretty standard, I guess, for me. I, I'm, I'm not a, a top table player yet, but I tend to get, you know, have a positive record at GTs most of the time. Um, but I remember I was – there were some games, like I played a Space Wolf, um, Space Wolf list for one of our teammates, and I ended up keeping him on the ground most of the time. Um, there was a point in time when I, you know, he was running a Colexus as well. That's pretty bad for my army. Um, and he placed it very well. So I had to spread out my guys and I had to really take desperate measures. And I jumped my Deathurster in the air just to try to get him to Vector Strike, you know, and kill the, the Colexus. But that's the only thing I had really at the time, just because I don't have very much shooting in this list. Um, it's, a, it's a tough list. I'd say that it takes a lot. Um, so it's hard to kill, but with a lot of the stuff that's out there today, I don't find myself wanting to go second a lot of the time. Yeah, because we all kind of like you want to get up in the air as early as you can, don't you? Whereas a lot of other lists are happy to play second and go for the objectives that way. Yeah, I try to jump up as soon as I can. Um, especially with the Demon Prince Fate Weaver, they'll rarely touch the ground. Um, Bellacore. Depends, because, you know, I, I try to... Depends on what's near. So I know he's good at taking out knights as well. So I might actually try to maybe go for broke if I'm not, you know... If I don't if there's a knight in a crucial point and I, and I don't have anything else that could get to him or my knight's destroyed or something, I might throw the Bellicor at him just because he, he can take out a knight himself. Um, it's possible, but... Um, uh, it's it, it depends how much whole points he also has on it. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's your get out of jail card when the shit's going down. Exactly. So I try to keep him on the ground. Um, I try to keep my. Of course, the night errand's going to stay on the floor, and the bloodthirst are going to stay on the ground most of the time, just so I can charge with it. So you, over the weekend, then are you aiming for free and free, or what's your goals? No, I always try to aim for higher. I always try to go positive. Uh, last year. I went four and two. Year before that, I went three and two. Um, this year, I'm of, of course I'm going to try to stay positive again. Um, probably, uh, actually, I don't know how many games are going to be played at the at the tournament. Is it going to be? I think it's three uh, and three. Six? Okay, cool. Yeah, if it's six, and I'm of course I'm going to try to go four and two, if not five and one, or you know maybe make top eight if for some some crazy reason, you know. <laughs> but um, I, I highly I highly doubt that at the moment. But I know. This list is very. Uh, uh, I could probably go positive with it. I'd say myself um, no less than three and three, definitely. Cool. So going on to Julioff is around. 
Yeah. Hey, Alan, as long as we do better than BAO, man, I'll be happy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, we had a rough time at BAO this yeah. year. <laughs> so, are you sticking with your Gladys you mentioned uh, recently, Julia? Yeah, man, I'm loving that list right now. It's so awesome to play. So, are you sticking with it? Is that the same or any changes? Uh, at the moment, I haven't done any changes. Uh, at my last minute, if I, if I don't get everything done, painted-wise... But, uh, but for now, everything looks good for me. Cool. Do you want to give a quick brief run through then for anyone who missed that episode? Yeah, I'm running a Gladius Drag Force with White Scars. It's pretty much two Demi companies, so it's uh, six tactical squads. Three of them are going to go in pods, and three are going to go in Rhino. The pods come with a Kami Malta Malta gun. Uh, the Rhinos come with a, a Graf Cannon and a Kami Graf. Then I have uh, two Assault Squads with Flamers, uh, with double Flamers inside pods. I have a command squad with four melty guns in a pod. That's pretty much there just to go for first try, for first blood against tanks or virtual generators, anything like that. Um, and then I have two devastator squads with uh, double graph cannons, so they can shoot ten shots each on, uh, off the top of the of the hatch from the rhino. I uh, I took a secondary department. Uh, I mean secondary uh, army. It's uh, space wolves, so it's pretty much just a room priest, two servitors. A draw pod and the rhino. That way, I can I can put my my Calexis either in the pod or in the rhino, depending on options. So it's it's pretty much half half Melta, half Graph, a lot of Graph. Uh, seven seven pods, uh, five six rhinos, and uh, about seventy bodies. So there's a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, lot of opsec dudes. Cool. And the last time you were on was after the was it the Butchers of Bakersfield GT. Correct. Which you, you'd won that one. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a it was a a really tough environment. A lot of good people there. Uh, the top eight out of the no, it was uh, eight out of the top twenty were there from ITC. So everybody was was fighting for the first spot for more ITC points. And uh, it was a long day, man. But it was it was a good one. So, are you expecting a very similar meta at the main event, or are you expecting quite a bit different? Um, well, I know I know Ben was at the T-shirt, right, Ben? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard that there was a bunch of Boisha uh, generators there. Oh yeah, yeah, Boisha generators yeah. are going to be a thing at LEO for sure. It was it was definitely the same here for for butchers. Uh, out of three, out of four of my opponents, three of them had a. A bunch of generators. So, if I face three that day, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna face three or more at a at LBO. Yeah, I think every group I've spoken to has basically said they're expecting to see a lot of Gladius, a lot of void yeah, shields. Uh, uh, if you Hold if on, you never, as a player that's going to LBO, if you never played against one, I would definitely look look at the brawls and just make sure that you know where they are, because you don't want to get surprised by them and then not be able to hurt it or not not be able to hurt your opponent's army. Just because of the 100-point void shield generator right in front of them. Yeah, Ben, what would you do against void shields? Because I know the ITC said grab doesn't work, haywire doesn't work. I just shoot the shit out of it with the knight and uh, just hope to roll sixes. On... <laughs> well, I've, it's got a bunch of yeah, it's got a bunch of shots off of the Gatlin cannon and then the missile launchers and. Oh, do you go for these strength eight missiles on top? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The three shot strength eight missiles on top. Yeah, so you just 
that's your good plan. Take it out with that and then keep it down. Yeah, it's it's not. It hasn't. I, I played that T-shaped every Eldar army I played, and I played three Eldar armies had a void shield generator in it, and wasn't that. I mean, it's a pain in the ass, but it wasn't a big deal. And then you just, you know, what ha- what ended up happening was, is they it ends up being a crutch. They like use it to try to protect their little scatter bikes. So as soon as it falls, the scatter bikes just disappear because they're not playing them in a, like a a more conventional defensive way where they're hiding them more like out of range or out of line of sight. They tend to put them a little bit, rely a little bit more on the shields to protect them. So if you drop the shields and then you're pumping, you know, strength six, AP three shots into the unit, they just disappear. Yeah. So you find people are just hiding them in plain sight, basically relying on that shield. Yeah. A lot of times they do. I mean, they'll I, probably I put a, a unit behind it, but yeah. No, I saw the same thing too. That uh, I've always run a lot of military in my marine armies, and now that I added the graph cannons right after uh, right after Nova, because I actually played Ben at Nova, so he knows what I was running before. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Ben kicked my ass and stuff because I I really couldn't kill much with the the list that I had before. And uh, but now it's like when you drop the shields and then they have everything like they they were expecting to not be shot at because of the shields, right in the open, especially like a Rafe Knight or whatever you want to put behind the shields. When they when it drops down and then you have all these shots, you can go into the in the units now, uh, like right in the open or not even behind cover and stuff like that. So they will die right away. Yeah, cause enough. Uh, I was... So you... sorry, I'll let you finish that. You bit. have to be able to adjust. I'm sorry. Yeah. You have to be able to adjust according to your opponent's army because if he has stuff that can kill your army, you still want to be like go in reserves or, or hide better and stuff like like Ben was saying right now. Yeah, because I was going to say when you're paying seventy five, hundred points for the void shield, it's is still a decent percent. It's almost five percent of your army. Whereas if you're relying on terrain and everything, you might have an extra unit of scat bikes or something, so you can kind of be a little bit more lenient with them. But that void shield for some armies is just like, oh, that's a that's a bit of a shitter. When you're just trying yeah. to, and because it is a massive loss blocking piece of terrain as well, for the actual fortification as well as the shields. It's like I've not yeah. se- seen anyone with the official model yet, but I've seen the comparison, and it's huge. I did not realize that they were that big. Oh yeah, it's four four inches by four inches by eight inches tall. Yeah, so you, you can easily so hide an objective large. or whatever behind that you need, and just have something completely out of line of sight there. And if anything does get line of sight on it from far away, you don't really care. You got your void shields. Yeah. Another thing I think is going to be pretty popular is those new uh, Forge World Wraith Knights. Oh yeah. The Warp Spider Wraith Knight, as it's been termed. Yeah, mm-hmm. There was a lot of, like, each of the Elder Armies I played against had one of those in it as well. Either one of them was the Hellstorm one, and then one of them, or two of them were the the Melta guys. Yeah. When I was looking at that, I was thinking, if the D wasn't nerfed, do you think you'd see as many of those? No. Well... Not as many of the Melta ones, probably, but less of the Flamer ones, I think. 
Because, well, I don't know. The Melta one, man, it can put out so many shots that it's much more versatile. Because it actually can put out enough shots to just go after infantry. Yeah, is it D3 plus two shots per gun? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically six to ten shots. And there are 36-inch range Melta guns, not 24. Oh, damn. So I think you'd still see a bunch of those, even if D wasn't nerfed, just because it's better versus... Because, you know, it's it's the well, first is a normal vehicle. If you're going to shoot it with one D weapon or one of these guns that shoots D3 plus two shots, I think, I mean, I haven't worked out the math, but I would venture a guess that the math is still in favor of the melted gun killing it with that many shots over a D weapon. And it's like a rhino or something. Yeah. Or, well, even, even higher armor because you move so fast to get within 18 inches for double tap range on the Melta isn't very difficult. Yeah, you've got like 30 inch double Melta range. Yeah, so I bet you it's still in favor. The only thing that the might be better against the, for the D1 is like one-shotting out a monstrous creature or something like that maybe if you get the six. yeah. Or a, or a super heavy if it was unmodified. Obviously, if you get that six, that's a big, big deal. Yeah. I was meaning to ask, um, what do you guys think about knights in today's meta? I think especially with ITC, they they are they have a good uh, place in my army at least. I mean, they're yeah, but I mean, like really a pure knight them. army. Oh no no no, not a pure pure knight army doesn't have the objective grabbing ability by the end of the game because like all of the missions are at the end of the game right mm -hmm. so if you just kill a couple of them you can only hold one or two things and you can just overwhelm them with an MSU yeah I think you'd never run more than three in just an all round GT style list no it, yeah three it, would be the most that I would run in a team event you can get away with four yeah, if it's specifically designed as an attacker. Yeah. Because well, there's certain armies that'll have a hard time with that, like Necrons. And... Even then, in like the ITC format, when they're giving up three points per hull point, or a, hull, yeah. a point per three hull points. I, I initially tried a list with three knights, and played a couple of ITC missions, and just went, they're great, <clears throat> but not in these missions. Yeah, I was. I found that out the hard way. I actually, I took knights to BAO, and I was, and I ran knights for quite a the majority of 20, uh, 2015 just because uh, I was traveling a lot, and it's a really easy travel army. So my list was basically two errants, one paladin, one crusader. Uh, paladin was the warlord, and I had um, five scouts, ultramarines, five scouts, ultramarines, five scouts, ultramarines, and uh, Talion. And a void shield generator, but yeah, I I just I mean I, that that list did um, it didn't do very well. It went two and four um, at LVO. I mean at BAO uh, this year in the summer last summer, and uh, then I took it again, but I had to change it up for a team event that I played with uh, um, down in Game Empire Pasadena, and yeah, I ended I... up going. Um, I had a Void Shield generator. What I did was I had to run Blood Angels because Julio was their Space Marine player, so you can't really repeat army. So I had a Blood Angels uh, thrown in there. So my basically my list was the same with the Knights. And then I had uh, five 
scouts and a sanguinary priest and three void shield generators. Just the three shields on one generator, and that was my list. And I tend to do, I tended, I, I did pretty good on that. I held my own against uh, Tau. I ended up facing the new Storm Surges until on, on my third game though, and I got pretty much destroyed. I, they just took out two knights turn one. It was in, it was insane firepower. Was that just the D missiles? Was it mainly? Excuse me. Was that just all the D missiles off the Storm Surges? Yeah, they ended up yeah the D missiles and they he ended up rolling. I actually played that game. I played Frankie from uh, Team Zero Comp, and we're. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much knew how the game was going to go just because I saw, I, as soon as you shot those missiles and you hit with a couple of them on two nights, I was like, oh, man, that's, I'm done with that, <laughs> you know? And he wrote, oh, that's that, you know, for them, but... How, yeah, many, was, how uh, many marker lights did he hit with? He hit, like, with about six, seven, something like that. It wasn't a per, lot, On but, each night? No, on, it was basically, like, he split it off. It was, like, three on one, four on the other. So... But, that means he, man, but he, he got lucky then. He got yeah. lucky to be able to kill those two knights because he needs to spend a marker light per missile fired to turn it into D. Yeah, I don't remember exactly his list, but he had he didn't have he had a lot of marker lights. One, you know, commander drone, uh, the commander, but I didn't I didn't see uh, that many. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was seven on each. It was probably I'd say four and four maybe. But he ended up um, yeah he rolled really good. He rolled a bunch of hits and then he rolled a lot of sixes. <laughs> so. Also, didn't help that his guys were already anchored before he shot, so he shot double. So it was on turn two then. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> but there's nothing else I could do against that kind of list. I had to run forward to him, you know, to try to do something. Oh yeah, yeah, but uh, it's just funny because he actually got tabled at T shifts by a, a knight army. No, yeah, no. <laughs> um, I we we're talking about it, and he even admitted. He said, "Man, if." If one of your knights would have made it over my line, that would have been it. But I tried. None of them got through. <laughs> yeah, well. yeah. Yeah, it was, he basically, in the game that he lost there, it was uh, the guy was able to move forward and get line of sight on the, the little drone squad, eliminated the drone squad, and it was basically game over. Because he, uh, oh. I mean, he's got lots of shooting, but when he gets all of his void shield saves and you don't have D, it's like, uh-oh. Yeah, I had my hey, void shield. I just didn't be. I wasn't able to deploy inside it. <laughs> mm. It was pretty crappy. Hey Ben, Ben and Matt. Yeah. Uh, I know most of us. You know, we go to we all we all really want to make the top eight. You know, something that we plan for and stuff like that, and and wish that could happen. But uh, but if we don't, any, are any of you guys doing the team event on Sunday? Uh, no plans yeah, at the moment, but I think we will be with a couple. Yeah, I'm playing in it if I don't make top eight. I think I'm in it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think most of the UK yeah. guys will do it, but we've not bought a ticket yet. We'll just see what we fancy on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to be able to take like, different armies and stuff like that to be able to make it where like one person has, has a different army than everybody else? Or, I mean, a different faction? Uh, We've not really looked into too much. I think we're just going to take what we've got. Because there's only, I think there's two of us or three of us playing the same faction. So we might just find random guys oh yeah I see yeah, it's kind of hard to plan too is like if if you make a team ahead of time and then like a couple of the players make it to the top 8 or whatever and you're you're missing out like armies now so you got to be able to find out and, and substitute with people that are there too so it's kind of hard to plan for yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's only eight people that go on out of three hundred and thirty. So the chances of you know a big ass someone making it in the top eight are pretty low. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have faith, faith, faith. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be one of them where it depends how crazy the Saturday night goes as well. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. especially since we're all going now that night, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, because well, you've already gonna been there for almost a week, Matt. So yeah, we've we've got a couple of nights out planned, but the first you might you might be like the Swedes year one and be like, oh shit, we spent all of our money by day three. And they were living <laughs> off of like potato chips and <laughs> crackers. If anything, if anything, we can all go to Allen's house and have a barbecue on Allen. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I can yeah. see it getting pretty expensive because we've already spent like, oh, I think I've spent about five hundred dollars on stuff before I've even got there. What the hell are you buying? Uh, Clothes? Uh, we're doing like a helicopter trip on the Grand Canyon. Gonna go oh, see a sure. show one night. We're all going out Wednesday nights. We bought like a table and bottle service in a club. So yeah, we we spent oh, quite a bit. That. Damn, that's expensive too. That wasn't too bad. I think that was hundred and twenty dollars for the bottle service. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. crazy. I heard about that. I wasn't invited. Uh, everyone's. Oh, invited. it was for person. That yeah, was the price yeah. per person. Yeah, for eight of us, it was like a thousand dollars for eight of us. Yeah, I was gonna say they're. They're at least a, a grand, two grand, maybe even four grand. It depends on the club. So that seems like we've got a pretty good deal. Yeah, you guys got a great deal. Sweet. So yeah, moving on to that, actually. What are your guys' plans while in Vegas? Are there any things you've got must-see, must-do? Uh, I go to Vegas quite often, so not anything in particular. I'll just end up figuring it out with the guys that are there, you know. Like, I'll probably spend a lot of time with the guys from the East Coast, because I don't get to see them all that often. What about you, Julio? Any plans while you're there, or are you just going to be out every night getting absolutely blitzed? Uh, uh, hopefully I don't gamble all my money away on day one, like I did last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one of the um, issues. Just, there's so much to spend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you go downstairs and the casino's right there, you know, so it's kind of hard to stop that, especially when you love playing poker. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Alan, Alan actually lives in, in Vegas, so we're going to be able to hang out with him a lot over there since he's going to yeah. be showing us around and, and, and all this stuff too. And I, I know we're planning to go out to the marquee on, on, sun, on Saturday, Saturday night. On Saturday, yeah, and DJ Khaled's going to be there, so that, that'd be cool. So we're going to do that Saturday night. And then, yeah, uh, Saturday night. <clears throat> I have a I, think, I have a bunch of guys that, that want to hang out with me at a, at a on Thursday and Saturday and Friday too. So yeah, yeah. so I think uh, also some of the East Coast guys are going to be coming with us. Um, um, I, I know that for Saturday night. Oh, is that the one where you could buy a ticket for Saturday and Sunday? <clears throat> no, we're going to the marquee um, on Saturday, and we're going to be spending the just you know going out to the, to the club. And DJ Cal is going to be the guest DJ there that day. And um, it, it should be fun, you know. That to me, that's probably my own personal favorite club on the strip. Uh, they yeah. tend to it has about three to four different dance floors, and you know, you just 
It's about a, there's another one actually when you're about to leave the club, there's another club under the club. It's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, you want to leave? Yeah. Try this first. Give us more money. <laughs> exactly. Alan is actually a, a pro boxer, so he gets, he's going to get us VIP entry fees. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's really cool. With his connections and stuff like that, so that's going to be pretty fun. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Slip past all the massive queue, walk straight in. Yeah. yeah. And then... And then it's also for security because we got Alan there, so we can just throw my, <laughs> throw my people. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. That was pretty sweet. So, Ben, when you were saying about the Swedes when they went the first year, they managed to blow the money in three days? Yeah. Oh. They spent all their money the first couple of days they were there, and they were there for at least a week. I don't I don't remember if it was longer than that. And they, by the end of the by the end of the event, they were basically all huddled around like, little snack that they could get out of the vending machine. Oh, no. So I can see that being a couple of us by the end of the week. One of my mates is obsessed with gambling. So it's just like, oh, mm -hmm. it's going to go bad. Well, I think <laughs> I've said I'm going to take like $100, $150. It's like, okay, this is my gambling money. This is all I'm <laughs> going to spend gambling. Yeah, if you can do that, that's great. Oh, no, that, that's the plan. If you can beat the discipline to not go over that. <laughs> oh, no, I'll go to one casino once. With that much money in my pocket, not take any more money, not take my card, and go, okay, I want to go have one go on this game, one go on that game, one go on that game, just have one go on everything, and then whatever I've got left, put it all on red. Actually, the the one thing I do know since living here, because I figured if I'm going to live here, I need to get good at at least gambling, or at least know yeah. where the, the games are, you know, that are, that are going to be uh, out there, you know, because I don't want to lose my money when I go to the casino, so... I don't gamble too often, but I'll go and I'll play 20 bucks in, you know, and then I'll get my gas money for the week or, you know, I'll get lunch for, you know, the week or sometimes you get lucky and you win a lot, but other times you don't win anything. So, <clears throat> and you end up losing 20 bucks, but, um, it's more like, uh, what I do know from just being a local now here is that if you gamble anywhere near the strip, the strip is there to take people's money. You know, yeah. if you if you want to gamble, you want to go to the casinos that are on that are away from the strip, from away from all the the center of the city. And those are the casinos that end up paying the most. I know the Silverton has a high payout rate. I I personally like the South Point because that's where I I live right by it. So um, that's actually they say the South Point has the best paying slots in town. Have about a ninety eight percent return rate, but doesn't mean you're going to get ninety eight cents back from every dollar you put into the machine. <laughs> So is that just on the slots or is that in everything, would you say? It's on the slots. And on tables, it just depends on, you know, what you're playing, what game. Okay, last, last year I had $20 and I was like, let me let me go play roulette. <laughs> I was like, it's, it should be a 50-50 chance for me to win something. And I was like, I'm, I'm okay with that one. So I was like, let me, 40, let me go. 45%. I was like, let me go on black. And I was like, I put it on black and it was it was just 20 bucks. And then I'm waiting there. If it's red, I'll be all fine. But maybe with black, I'll win. And they spin the wheel, and it fucking lands in green. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, like one of my mates, first time he'd ever been in a casino. One of his the dealers is chatting shit to him. She was like, all right, I put my money where my mouth is. 20 pounds, so like $30 on zero. First bet he's ever done. Only bet he's ever done. Pays off. Yeah. Sweet. How much did you get paid back? I think he got like 700 pound back. Oh, yeah. Shoot. So you just walk straight off and the dealer or the guy running it's just like, fuck's sake. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, but that's what the um that's what I was gonna say. If you're really brave, as soon as you get to town, you gotta go ahead and bet on roulette and you go in and you and you go all in on red or you're all in on black. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably how the Swedes lost all their money knowing them. <laughs> yeah, I think they lost it all on booze. Yeah, well, who went? Was it Daniel and Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that, were... that was booze. On uh, on day three, when they didn't make the top eight, they were playing in the little doubles event, and they had to bring their garbage can with them from their room, and it was they held it under the table, and they would roll their turn, and then they would crawl under the table and throw up, and then crawl back out from under the table <laughs> on their turn. <laughs> Jesus. That, that that does not surprise me knowing them though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think the first couple of days we're going to play it chill. We got one big night out planned on the Wednesday. We may end up doing like the pub crawl on Saturday just to go chill with everyone. But it's like because I'm paid to do a show on Friday. I know I can't go out and spend a load of money then because I'm out yeah. the Thursday uh, day. Friday is, Friday is the show first are you game, right? Uh, uh, yeah, first three are on Friday. But, uh, I think we're going seeing O from the uh, Cirque du Soleil. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. There's about five or six of us going. Yeah, that's a good show. If you all of the Cirque du Soleil's are good, you yeah, seen them. it's one of I them. I like them. I just went to go see the Michael Jackson one recently. That one's really good too. I was just like, I'm going to Vegas. Might not go again. I've got to go and see one show while I'm there. <laughs> it's just it's one of the things you got to do, isn't it? Mhm. Oh, what we were thinking as well is we might just spend the Tuesday or the Wednesday mo- day, just going in seeing all the casinos. From living there, Alan, which ones are the ones you've got to go in and see? Just because they're all massive grand casinos, which are the most? A lot of ones? really, I would say the ones that people like to go to and see the most here in town um, are fairly close to the Bally's. I, a lot of people like to go inside the, ba- uh, of course, the Caesar's Palace. That one's been around forever, um, and everybody, you know, always wants to go and just check it out just because of the the Hangover movies. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's a really popular one, and it's it has a huge mall inside too. Um, very good, very grand entrance too when you go inside it to the to the forum shops right next to it. Another one people like to go to is the Bellagio, just because they always have it decorated in some certain theme throughout every every month. It changes. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and they have that uh, Daniel Cthulhu, um, Cthulhu. Uh, the ceiling is like all glass flowers, so. That one's pretty cool. Um, another one people like to go in, inside and just look at is uh, the Cosmopolitan is a really nice one. That one's probably the most high-end, I'd say, hotel here in, in on the Strip. That's where they say oh, the yeah. people uh, wealthy went to go to go to lose their money. <laughs> either, either that one or the Win. Oh yeah, the Win is also a really good one. Um, the Win and Encore are both really grand really big a lot of space inside uh high ceilings um i like my favorite one is probably i'd say the cosmopolitan just because of the decoration inside is like really grand and really upscale i like it a lot yeah it's also a little bit more key towards like the younger like like 30 year olds you know late 20s more yeah. yeah, that's where we're going. That's where the marquee is located when we're when we're going to go out on Saturday for us. Um, 
the Venetian's a really nice one too. Um, so th- there's a one. lot to go and see there, basically. Yeah, basically everywhere you go, you know, there's some that have free shows. So if you're walking around the strip, there's a show outside of Treasure Island. Uh, you'll see like a, a like a pirate fight. Um, so there's like a show, a free show that people can watch from the strip. Bellagio has the Dancing Water. Um, yeah, Promotions there's... Eleven. Yeah, and then they yeah. have the yeah. they have the uh, moving statues inside the uh, Caesar's Palace that come on about every half hour. And I believe, um, I believe, if you want to go watch a free show, there's a show on the Planet Hollywood and inside the Miracle Mile shops. It's called Zombie Burlesque. I think I'm pretty sure that one's free. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Zombie Burlesque. <laughs> yeah. Definitely making so out of that one. Yeah. So that's a really, and it's a free show too. So all you got to do is just go up to the box office and ask, and you know, just tell them you're 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 a tourist, and they'll pretty much give you free tickets. I've seen it happen to many people before. Um, Is that in Planet Hollywood? Planet Hollywood, did you say? It's the Planet Hollywood Casino, the Miracle Mile Shops inside. Uh, you'll see it. Uh, you just got to keep walking a little bit downward. There's a big... You'll know you're at the right place when you see a fountain and then a giant stripper girl statue. <laughs> <laughs> that could just be like a dream, though. Well, you guys have never been to... Vegas before, have you, Matt? No, nah, no, nah, it's the first trip over there. That's why I was like, Man, what do we need to go and see? What do we make sure we do? It's the most American place on Earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was Texas. I, was... <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Texas, too. <laughs> That's the most stereotypical place. <laughs> yeah. No, over here, there's a lot to see. Everywhere you go, there's going to be something to do. Now, the place where you... People always say... Um, you were asking about bars and stuff earlier. yeah. yeah. Every casino has a bar inside their um, inside their casinos. You'll see they're called the the island bars, and that's where a lot of the times where um, you'll go and if you're lucky enough, you get a good bartender. They'll give you free drinks. But you gotta you know Just you gotta at least look like you're like you're gambling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you gotta yeah. you gotta tip them nice, look busy, and they'll keep you. Drinks full. Well, they have they have gambling stations at every seat at the bar. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Even the convenience stores here. I mean, you go to inside an Albertsons or a Smith store, some kind of grocery store, and they'll have gambling. You know, they'll have like slot machines inside the the grocery store. Oh, that that must just be bad. It is pretty bad. <laughs> in the airport, this... they'll be as soon as you walk out of your plane, they'll be in the airport. Yeah. Or, the, or at the gas stations. Uh, we booked a, a stretch limo when we get there, so we walk out the, out the plane, some guy's there with our name <coughs> in his suit and everything. We're arriving in style. Yeah. But because there's five of us, we looked at it, wasn't that much more than getting taxis. Yeah. I think we paid $100 for a return in a limo. Yeah, but I mean, the shuttles are free, so... Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll try and find some of these free shows and free bars free, free yeah. drinks that's amazing oh no that's going to be such a messy week when are you guys oh, yeah, all getting it's... there apart from Alan that's a bit of a uh, Thursday night oh you get no party time then me? yeah uh, you know I'll do it uh, the night's while I'm playing I don't care yeah and then there's the Super Bowl on the Sunday yeah Super Bowl on the Sunday yeah. 
Oh. If I'm well, I'm going to be playing in the team event. So and my Seahawks aren't in it. So I'm guessing Super Bowl in Vegas is going to be a pretty big thing, though. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, yes. It's weird because yeah. you... it'll be the it's the super it's the biggest mecca for Super Bowl in the world. Oh, it's one of those like we always. <laughs> I watched Super Bowl last couple of years over here. You watch it, it's like that's going to be pretty good. That looks amazing. Such a big, yeah. and we, I know you guys all have big parties and everything, but to be over there when it's on, and yeah. in Vegas, yeah, there'll be. You can actually the each hotel will throw giant Super Bowl parties that you can actually buy tickets for, and they'll have like massive. Um, we used to go to the MGM all the time for it, and they'll have these like eight, like I don't know, shit, like. 500-inch televisions or something, you know, big, like, movie yeah, theater yeah. projector watching the game, and they'll have, like, buffets of food and all that kind of stuff, bars. And... That sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, too, is uh, don't forget to bring your swim trunks because there's actually day clubs here where you can go and it's, like, a huge, giant uh, beach party. Oh, that's... What's the weather like, actually, this time of year? Indoor. It's... They're indoor. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they're indoor. But it's going to be pretty cold, too. It's been very cold here the last couple of days. Not as bad as East Coast, by the looks of it, but... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, not no, that bad. No, not that bad. They're all currently snowed in as we record this. Shoot. Yeah. Snowmageddon, I think it's called. <laughs> yeah, I think they're up to, like, almost 30 inches. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's been, there was nothing Friday morning pretty much. So that's in like 48 hours. They're getting just under an inch an hour pretty much. Yeah. Oh, there's some euphemism in there somewhere. Well, well thanks very, very much for coming on, guys. It's been great recording with you. And I'm sure yeah. I'll see you all in just over a week. Yeah. Cool. Nice to meet you. Hi all, Matt here, joined for the final part of our LVO episode, joined this time by the UK guys. So we have Alex Harrison. Hello. Mark Crumblebumble. Alright. And the alcoholic Joe Freeman. Alright, bit harsh, but fair, alright. You know it's true. I do like a beer, mate. Every single thing we've you've looked up regarding Vegas before we go has been a bar, hasn't it? Yeah, with breasts. Yeah, two bars, they're a win. They're always a win. So, we're all heading off on Monday. This is now the Thursday before. How excited is everybody? Yay! I cannot wait. It's getting a bit real now, isn't it? One day of work, and then a day of travelling. It's been real to me for about five months, man. I like a... I like sort of preparation yeah you've been like a child for months <laughs> that doesn't change though Mark's a child full stop yeah, although I'm a child that bought five electricity adapters yeah he's that, was, that was very grown up very grown up <laughs> uh, I just can't wait for Mark to be in a casino and then lost for a week so it's Monday then because we all know that's going to happen. Yep. Not irresponsible. Well, as I long just... as it's not being thrown out, that's the main thing. No, I think I you're the one out. most likely to get us thrown out, Alex. 
Yeah, if I start touching up random people, probably. But yeah, I think random guys that you touch might just hit you back. Yeah, probably it won't work. I don't know. It's Vegas. Anything goes, right? Uh, maybe. Are you gonna be on <laughs> Tinder again? Oh yes. Oh dear. So yeah, <laughs> Alex's highlight of the week: American guys. <laughs> All right. That's grinder, Matt. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter, how do you, Alex. How do you know? <laughs> well, you have to look, don't you? <laughs> Keep your options open. Very true. What happens in Vegas and all that? <laughs> it follows you home if it's herpes. Ooh. Well, you just wash your balls in TCP and you're alright, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. That's, no, no, that sting. <laughs> I've got no previous experience. Sweet, sweet sting. <laughs> So, Joe, what are you looking forward to most for Vegas? Uh, Well, quite predictably. I mean, I know we're going and playing 40k, but it's a week-long lads holiday, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's a bit more more of a a top than two days in Blackpool, but it's still pretty cool, (laughs) isn't it? The 40k is the excuse to go for me. Yeah. It's like, I I want to go to Vegas. Oh, there's a 40k event in Vegas for the girlfriend. I'm just going away for a 40k weekend, like one of the tournaments I go to abroad. Yeah, right, okay. Where is it? Las Vegas. You what? Was pretty much how that went. Still don't know you're going for eight days, not a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) It's an extended weekend. A very extended weekend. The flight's been delayed for a few days. Weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I need to go early because we're driving there. Yeah. So you're looking forward to just being in Vegas, pretty much? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, absolutely. Just I've, I've never been to America at all, so it's all, it's all a bit exciting. Everything's meant to be big and, big and jazzy, so and loud. yeah, that's pretty cool. It's like when we all met Jesse, big and loud. Yep. What about you, Mark? After the casino, what are you looking forward to the most? My kneecaps stitching themselves back together again. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm looking forward to playing Toy Soldiers, but I have been. I've been to America before, but um, yeah. Apart from the gambling and the drinking and the food and the Toy Soldiers, <coughs> the next bit, you know, that that bit will be cool. What's the next bit, Mark? Go on. Make something uh, up. I don't know. It's the, definitely the... not going and looking at a big hole in a helicopter with some of you. Uh, ridiculous idea. Yeah, there are two of us doing a Grand Canyon in Hoover Dam in a helicopter one day. While Mark yeah. sits crying, praying we don't all blow up. And Alex and Joe are in a bar somewhere, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah we're going to go and play uh, beer pong. Oh, yes, I love that game. I'm not very good at it. Well, you're not meant to be that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, if well... you put the mirror down, then you'll be better at it, Alex. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh dear. But there is a Hofbrau house as well, which we might end up going Thursday night with everybody. That's been mentioned before. The... Oh, what, sorry? The has Ho- it? Hofbrau house. Oh yeah, that sounds good. Have you what been... is it? It's a German beer hall. Oh, beer. Yeah. Is this for the night we're not drinking? 
Uh, no. Do we have one of those? <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I only serve like litre steins of beer and like umpar bands and pretzels and stuff, so it can't get too mad. Not when you're drinking a litre at a time. Well, yeah, but Joe can carry 16 of them at once, so... <laughs> In each pocket. He's not got the tips for that. Or the not anymore. <laughs> oh, I know I just can't wait to go get drunk with everybody, to be honest. Yay. What are you expecting? I, I can't can you wait, games? actually. Which is like the side part of where we're all going. Because we're only really expecting to play two days worth, and then have the other six. Shut up! You're gonna have rates tits on if you're not playing third day. Oh, I couldn't care. I'm, obviously, I want to go and get third day, but if not, then there's the team event, or there's beer hammer, or there's just strip clubs in the middle of the day. I'm sure that's a thing. Plus, that Super Bowl day anyway, isn't it? Yeah, Super Bowl. Fuck it. Not that we don't really understand what's going on with that. But... No, but you know everybody over there is going to take it stupidly and it's all going to be ten times the size it would normally because it's I in have, Vegas. I, I have it's no like idea. Helmets, isn't it? Yeah, I literally don't know any rules for American football. It confuses me. I know there's two teams and that's about it. You're allowed to pass forwards and you don't use your feet. That's yeah. pretty much all I know. So it's basically not football? No. Okay. And it takes forever. Yeah. But if everybody's cheering along and we've all had a few. Yeah, exactly. Anything's entertaining when you've had a few. Yeah. Well, it takes about eight hours to play a game, doesn't it? So I'm sure we'll pick it up at the end. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's you might get uh, extra time and penalties. Possibly, They all yeah. need a rest. They all need a rest every sort of couple of minutes. So they have the defenders, then they have the attackers, and then they go and have a sit down, then the adverts are on. Then they have Springsteen on for a bit, don't they? Is yeah. Is Springsteen on it? Janet Jackson gets it itself. I've, no, I've got no idea. Probably. They love that, don't they? That bit born in the UK, USA nonsense. True. So what are you expecting from your games, Mark? Um, and what are you taking? It depends how game one goes. Taking drop pods, drop pod marines, Skyhammer, and uh, an assassin that I haven't really been able to get rid of now for eight months. But... Yeah, I reckon, depending on how game one goes, I could have like quite a good run and then sort of game four or five start falling apart. Um, but tournament sort of history, I'll probably uh, miss up half my units game one and just end up going for a strangle wank in the toilets about lunchtime. <laughs> that went dark. That escalated very quickly. <laughs> out of nowhere as well. So, as Mark's doing things that he really shouldn't be doing and nobody needs to know about. Uh, yeah, I've lost my train of thought a little bit now, Mark. Joe, <laughs> what about you, Joe? Well, uh, now, as we know, I'm probably not the best at this game. Uh, but, to be honest, I mean, I'm taking me Tyranids, uh, loads of flying tyrants, as I do. And I think, to be honest, it... All them flyers, it lets me really punish bad players, doesn't it? I mean, if I come against somebody better than me, I've got no chance. But just smashing the Americans that don't know what they're doing seems like it might be fun. Um, I'd hope, I'd like to win three games. I'd like to win three games, and I'd be quite happy with that. 
But Miami doesn't compete in Maelstrom at all, so we'll see how that goes. But then again, they don't play Maelstrom like we do. Like, they don't seem as important. It seems a lot of killing things seems yeah. to be a, a legitimate way of keeping up with Maelstrom, so you it's, never know. A lot a, of the Maelstrom is killer unit anyway, so... Yeah, it's a lot more important for the mission, but it's a lot less important to be able to get the points, having a strong ground presence. Which is ideal, because I don't have a ground presence. Yeah, you do. You've got that flyrant that just got grounded from the scatterbikes. Nah, scatterbikes just die straight away, don't they? They're shit. Yeah. That one spore that won't die. <laughs> Which can't score. Because <laughs> it's a spore mine. Oh, shame. I've got the gene stealers, though. They'll be alright. Oh, you got gene stealers in it now. How many lictors? Yeah. None. None. No lictors. Is that going to change before we go? No, absolutely not. I'm fully committed to it. I think you should take Lit to Shame and show them how it's done. I'd love to. I'd love to, but no. Flyerants. Flyerants all day long. Five Flyerants and Lit to Shame. That fits in 1850. Not really. It does. Not really. I, I wrote the points out the other day. I got bored. Yeah, but three three isn't really Shame, is it? If you've not got no, six no. or eight. Definitely it's... Performation and Five Flyerants. I suppose. Cad, yeah. Leviathan, yeah. and Death Leaper. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not falling for this. I'm not falling for this. You're gonna go. You're, you're trying to work the points out now, aren't you? That, I know. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Lictors just don't work without the Morlocks, and then to fit the Morlocks in, you have to drop more Flyerants, and I think you're just better off with Flyerants. And everyone you talk to says that you can't play in Tyranids, and you can't do just utterly do Hive Tyrant Shame. And then everyone you talk to, not high tyrant shame, you know, just spamming the shit out of it. Yeah. And everyone says you can't do it. And they're all that convinced you can't do it. I don't think anyone's been really been doing it, to be honest. Everything seems to fucking die. And the rest, the rest of the Tyrion army is shit at killing things and it's shit at surviving, so you might as well kill everything. We've only got one good unit, so I'm going to take six of them. Fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> Logic. But yeah, do you not. So you're aiming for three wins based on UK tournament experience. Do you not feel in yeah. a three hundred and odd player event, you might be able to squeeze four or five? I, I'd like to, I'd like to, but I've, well, you guys know. I'll announce it to the world. I only care about beating Mark. <laughs> I have a oh. Mark is my only aim. Yeah, there is. I was kind of hoping you'd forgot about that. Is it twenty pound on that one? <laughs> no. Nope. It's oh, not that. it went up a lot, didn't it? It escalated, yes. Uh-oh. How much did that... No. It started at 20, didn't it? What? <laughs> <laughs> that started at £20 on a night out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a bet on me and fair, Alex as well? $100 is only about 30 quid, isn't it? Eh, it's Monopoly money. $100 is yeah, like £80 Shh. at the moment. Oh, whoa. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the exchange rate's really bad now. It's gone down to like one point three five. Yeah. I was gonna get some dollars today, and the exchange rate's really bad. So. I told I told you this a month ago when I changed my money over. You had money a prepared. month ago. <laughs> no one else. Well, did. months ago it was one point five. It was good, and I didn't expect it to shoot down so. Quickly. Yeah, I didn't have money a month ago. I do now. I'm just gonna have to yeah, change it. Yeah, I'm gonna change some this weekend, and hopefully it would. Might change the next few days to like 1.4 or something. I'm changing a million dollars this weekend. <laughs> oh well, so if we're short, we'll just borrow a few then if you've got a million. 
Yeah, I'll spend it on hookers and blow. Hookers and blow. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. So that's what... Did you have another bet as well? Or was it just the one between you two? On who finishes higher? We're just... We've just got the bet for which of us finishes higher at LVO, which yeah. is $100. We might have had another bet that we don't remember, but we don't remember. <laughs> we were pretty far gone in that little shit, but weren't we? I think everybody was at that point. That's I, why we ended up there. You say, you say it's a little shitty pub, but we keep going back. Yeah, I love it. Joe's a little shitty pub kind of guy. <laughs> It may be worth mentioning Joe lives and works above a not very shitty and large pub. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's a bit shitty, but it is quite large, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw that on Facebook. But have, you, have you closed the pub for refurbishment so you can go on holiday? No, not quite, not quite. It's shut in about a week after we get back. So you get about three weeks off? Or no, it's, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass, to be honest. I've got a lot to do while it's shut. Oh, that sucks. So, moving on, Alex. Yo. What are you taking? What do you expect? Um, I don't know, because obviously our only past experience is either ETC missions and Nova, and Nova was only slightly different and easy to pick up. The thing with ITC missions is it's quite random, and with there being so many players, it's quite difficult to kind of gauge on not only their meta, but how well you're going to do with matchup wise so I don't know obviously I'd like to make the Sunday as as with you and but I don't know I think uh, I think I'd like to get five wins in the first two days yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of luck for whoever gets to those top eight yeah for the amount of players going like you've got some I know there's some from Australia there's a lot from the UK there's probably a couple of others from that throughout Europe, and then there's the entirety of America, basically. Yeah, yeah, but we're pretty much discounting them for top eight, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, the biggest thing is, it's not like Nova where it's the top sixteen and then they do the brackets. So top sixteen with two hundred and fifty players isn't too difficult. Like, not as difficult, whereas top eight, even if you get one loss, you need huge points in those five wins to yeah. get the top eight. You need to be getting so, almost max points in every game. Exactly. So if you get a close game where you've just scraped a win, that win might not be good enough. So I don't... Uh, it's going to be down to matchups, which is quite random. Um, so it's quite hard to predict. I'm yeah. not I mean, there's, there's no room for error when... Six, you need six wins to guarantee. Well, we were we were talking about this in the that endless chat that um, even last year at LVO where there was 270 players, there was only three people that got six wins. But they did have six games where you don't need it with that many players. Whereas, because uh, they would have had after five games with 264, you can have an undefeated eight, I think. Because there's more than 264, you need six games to have an undefeated top six. But because the LVO allows draws, or events like Nova don't, that messes it up. Even then, though, getting a draw in the ITC seems fairly difficult. Yeah. Well, it's out of 11 points, isn't it? Yeah, they've yeah. made it. 
purposefully difficult. Yeah. So even if you look, you lose but, primary, you win secondary, and then it's just down to tertiary. Yeah, it might and be it's... you get warlord. They first get blood. They get linebreaker and warlord. Yeah. See, that's like the only. So it's not like out that's. Of... So it's not too difficult. It could be ten ten, couldn't yeah. it? It depends on the missions because some have harder to draw, or there's some missions. But like King of the Hill, you both might just not have King of the Hill for whatever reason. What? King of the Hill? What the fuck is King of the it's Hill? It's like having the most units, units within six of the centre. Within six. How does that play out? Is it? Do you only need one model part of a unit within six? Or is it just as many models or as many units? I like, think it's one model. Like, you need one guy within three of an objective. But, again, yeah. I've got no clue with that. You're going to tell me I have to land to get that one as well, aren't you? Well, it's probably... Yeah, because you're, well, just, just, you're not scoring you know, if you're in the air still, are you? You can't yeah. score as a flyer. God damn. But it's at the end of the game, so usually at the end of the game you're probably... Yeah, it should be alright. You've either killed them all or you're landing on objectives anyway. Yeah. Landing hope, yeah. yeah. But yeah, with our... Uh, with our list, they're not really gimmicky as such. There's no, like... You've got to just play the mission, don't you? As we've sort of yeah, playtested, yeah. there's nothing like a Death Star which is invincible. There's uh, nothing like that. It's just a matter of playing the mission, and obviously, if it comes down to matchups, there's, there's no list out there that you can safely say I can take on everything in 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 a certain mission. So no, it's to kind of. Like, I think me and Alex are taking pretty much the same list, which we've had the base for and then tweaked and messed around with which is effectively a shitload of warp spiders because the new forge world stuff lets you take warp spiders in the core as up for a war host we've basically used a quite generic uk eldar list but because of the itc limitations on two formations of the same we've just managed to override that with the new forge world book and actually letting you use a Forge World Army list is a bit novel for us, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it just slots in as a Eldar Warhost as a core choice, so it's not an Eldar Army list, a bit we're using. But it is out of the Corsair book, which has its own lists anyway. And its own nonsense psychic powers. But yeah. It's one of those where, with the ITC having a nerf on Invis, a nerf on Reroll Saves, uh, No Comely Apocalypse Allies, kind of limits a lot of options but also opens up some new ones it's like you might yeah. be really scared of an invisibility scar and want the assassin or instead you play tower with a load of blasts and just shoot the shit out of it and not care because you've got a blast you can still hit it exactly there's like the storm surge becomes huge that strength 10 ap2 template is massive now it actually hits uh invis units so yeah, there's there's gonna be that's why it's nerve wracking to actually play a Death Star and uh in my opinion, like I wouldn't take a Wolf Star, for example, as strong as they are. Um but I'm sure there's gonna be lots out there, whereas there's gonna be lots of demon stars now because they don't really rely on invis, they just rely on their survivability. So it's quite funny you say you'll think you'll see a lot of wolf stars where I've been talking to talking to the guys on the west coast and they're not really seeing many in the like local events. Mm. Uh, where they're playing a lot of ITC and LVO missions, they're not seeing many Wolf Star. I think there's a 50-player one-day event and there wasn't any turned up. Whereas if you go a 50-player one-day event over here, 
You probably see I mean, you, three or four. Your AOC event were riddled with wolf stars, weren't it? Yeah. The top tables were full of it. Yeah. Well, it's the same as Cali. I, I was walking around in the standard event and I saw quite a few. Not just wolf stars, just just general marine death stars in general. There was quite quite a few still. Um, but it's the same as like that. Their meta is so different to ours. Like Gladius is quite big. Um, we're only we're only just get, starting to see Gladius battle companies, aren't we? Yeah, there's People not many are, of them looking about yet. I think because all the ETC missions have kill points, everyone's gone. Oh, can't win kill points at the rubbish. But then they've realised, wait, I can actually win everything else. Well, you say that, but because of like there's only eight cards which are objective based. Everything else is like kill this many units, kill this many units in combat, shoot this many units, and that's where Gladius falls off. Well, so. they're it's pretty good at attrition, I've found. You've got that many little units shooting. You can wear things down and start scoring those after a couple of turns. Mm. But right, I think we'll see a lot in Vegas. But it was interesting talking with Sean and Nick on the previous part of this podcast, which was saying a lot, depending on the draw, it might be round two that they a lot of gladiators get knocked out, which is the kill point mission. Because I don't know if you guys are all aware, but they've changed it. it yeah, they've the, moved it round, haven't they? Yeah, the kill point mission did have, uh, like, King of the Hill, Table Quarters, and somewhere else, the secondaries. So basically just MSU control the board, which obviously helps MSU armies. It's now First Blood Warlord Linebreaker. And then the Maelstrom for it is less control things. And they've changed it to be... They've made the kill point mission killier. More yeah. about actually killing things. Rather than just controlling the board and winning it that way without killing a model or anything. So from, I think... my understand, from my understanding of that Frontline podcast and what that recent Frankie was talking about, it was that the way they'd got the Maelstrom set out, a lot of players were just in the Kill Points mission utterly mugging off actually killing stuff and just playing for the Maelstrom and playing for the Tertiaries and then just winning it, having get, got bad at kill points. Yeah, and that's that, wasn't what, really, that wasn't what they were hoping by having a single kill point mission. Yeah, that's what I looked at when I saw that. It was very, I don't actually need to play to kill things, I just play everything else. I let my opponent carry on killing stuff. I'm but, lucky I only have to play two turns versus uh, Gladius. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'll be interesting to see how many get through that round. Again, it depends on matchups. Like if they play against an MSU build with lots of kill points, and like Dark Eldar, for example, because there's so many players, yeah, you don't know what you're gonna face. Do you know what I mean? It'll also be interesting to see what wins in the end, because if they play the first three missions on day three, which I don't think they will, because I've been told the championship decider is always gonna be mission six. But I don't know how accurate that was when I heard that. If they do play missions 1, 2, and 3, for example, so you have kill points as game 8. So that makes taking the big MSU unit really risky straight ring thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Knowing you're going into a bad matchup in the last game would be worrying. But you don't know if that's... Is is it going to be the case? Or if they're going to randomise for that last mission? or. I think as as long as there's a kill point, it doesn't matter when you hit it. If if it if anything, it's probably better to hit it at the end because at least you can say, well, I've got this far. Yeah, well, I think for the ones not playing MSU heavy, you'd rather have it later on, so you get the easier match up later on, possibly. Yeah, because that will be a harder game probably against the better player, so you'd probably want an easier mission, wouldn't you? Yeah, 
Whereas having it early on helps MSU Amis a little bit because there's still 150 players on a win. So if you've won your first one, you've got a very good chance of having an easier second game than later on. I know from a lot of the chatter that's been coming over with a bit of your coverage and the reading about it that I've done on forums and sites and that, that Gladius and the MSU is going to be everywhere. But part of me thinks we're just going to get there and it's just going to be towel blowing everyone off the board and not giving a fuck about an MSU. Well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, well, you say that, but I don't know. It depends what kind of towel list, because a lot of towel lists are quite good at concentrated firepower. Um, they're not good at shooting lots and lots and lots of different units, but they're good at killing them. So, for example, three units, a unit of three broadsides will destroy a rhino, but then that's overkill. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's the same as like riptides. Well, depends. Like if they've got riptide wings that can shoot twice in a turn, they're going to kill loads of stuff. So, yeah, I think you're right. Tau is very good at killing weak, uh, lots of weak units, um, as are Eldar. So that's that's why we don't really see them well in our tournaments. It might. It might be the mobility, I think, that possibly let Tau down. With these measures, yeah. like That's why I'm not personally taking Tau. I love Tau. I think they're great at the moment. But, but then, it's... once again, that Riptide wing is reasonably mobile. Riptides are inherently quite quick, aren't they? Yes, but you don't want them on the other side of the board taking an objective. You want them on your side of the board shooting at max range, and then yeah. late game you start jumping forward. Yeah, so you might the Tau might have to combat that a little bit to get the maelstrom side of things but like we said a lot of that is kill so i think we'll see tau doing well i think we'll see eldar doing well which people listening are probably getting bored of me saying that because i said it in three different segments of this podcast well it doesn't change that it's true does it but then it's things like walk on vacation i think we'll see a lot more of but i was talking with ben cromwell who's taking one and he doesn't know that many people taking it, but I think that'll do quite well in the hands of a good player because it can play those missions really well. I think it's strong early on because of all the shrouding and the twin linking and stuff. But once you use those abilities, they, it, it's quite a squishy army. You know, all the four plus saves and stuff. It's quite an alpha striking army where it's really tough to kill early on. But if you have enough stuff alive, you can just kill it because at the end of the day, they, there isn't any tough units in it really yeah it's one of them where because you get stolen from shrouded two turns in a row you're really not doing much damage to those two turns yeah and then you've just kind of got a hope they don't do enough damage to you for that late game you can't you're still there but there's a lot of tricks i think i think they're that not, they're not massively long ranged either to be fair no it depends if they got drop pods and stuff yeah but now i'm really interested to see how gladius ends up doing it towards the end of the event because I know there's a few guys who've been winning local events in like California area um, he, with Gladius the guy who posted on DACA is it Julio or Julio yeah, yeah. he's his, been on this podcast his, actually yeah his Gladius list just makes me pucker up real tight I don't want to play that ever it's <laughs> horrendous um, but I think like the White Scars book in, in Cali you know the Hunter's Eye Relic and stuff that's opened up for Marines now they're just I think Marines are going to win this whole thing somehow. So your money's on Marines for top spot. Yeah, if I, if I it will be. It literally will be on as soon as I can find someone to bet with. 
I I disagree only because they do still struggle with Death Stars. Like they they just can't hurt them. I I think Death Stars will be eliminated. Most of them early on. No, I, just, I don't think they'll make it. I, I don't. I think they're still going to be strong. Um, there's still all this Forge World stuff that you know you don't see in. Um, I yeah. Think, I think, you know, it's just the fact that you can multi-charge a, a Gladius with a Death Star and just kill everything, you know, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. I just point. think, I just think anybody with the opinion that Eldar aren't favourites is frankly talking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Alex made a good point there with all the Forge old stuff. Like we're going to see Corsairs, we're going to see 400 point Stompers. There's a lot of people. Yeah, the with... stompers as well. They're they're impossible to kill, so they just start running through your army. You don't want to play stomper on the relic. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, of people. That'd with be a joy. What's the armor Knights. value of? Sorry to interrupt. What's the armor value of the stomper? Is it like all round? Thirteen, Joe. Mm. You, you've um, got one. You should know this. Is it twelve well, on the rear? Or yeah, because we use them all the time, don't we? Stompers. It's uh, a a stomper. Is rear armor 12. Okay. 13, 13, 12. So at least... At least we've got a chance, Matt. That's the 770 point one, though. Maybe the maybe the cheap one's better than that. <laughs> I, think, I think the armor value is the same. Yeah, it just gets different upgrades and things. But it's How many hull points is it? 13? 12? Or is it 15? No, it's not got quite, not got quite that many. It's got 12. 12. 12. Okay. Yeah, that's What's... only 12 sixes. That's only 12 squads of spiders. Luckily, you've got that many. In a couple of turns. <laughs> well, add to, add the force field to it for a five-up save, and then... It's probably got a void shield generator behind it as well, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. you'll be within that somewhere, I hope. You know. The Americans love those, apparently. Yeah, I think we'll see I a lot of them as well. Good. They are very strong. I think we'll me and Mark a had a comedy conversation the other night. I don't know if you guys were in on it, or if it was just me and Mark. It was just... Turns out we just didn't have a clue what it did at all. We were like, well, it does what? Eh? It's immune, it, it's immune to what? Why? Eh? Immune to everything, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's. Why are buildings immune to haywire? What the it, fuck is it's that all not about? a building or a vehicle, it's just a thing. So I think they. No, but buildings are immune to haywire as well, though. No, they're immune to grav. No, buildings are immune to haywire in this in the ITC FAQ. Oh, in their weird FAQ. Yeah. Uh, well, unless it's very specifically a vehicle and a building isn't a vehicle it's immune to haywire I don't even think they're letting Melter work I'm not worried about well, I don't think they're letting Melter work against it either Mark so it's just what? like yeah uh, that, that, that Melter I don't think what? they're letting that work against void shields from something I was sure? that's, it's just forging a narrative, though. What acid melting through a How force field? That would be ridiculous. It's not that part of it isn't a building. So what you need to do is just drop your melter inside and blow up the actual building that's projecting them. That's wow. on AV thirteen with four hull points. It's not AV thirteen. It's AV twelve, isn't it? Oh fuck me! No, the actual building uh, the inside. Are AV12. The shields AV twelve. The actual building projecting it is thirteen though. Well, this is becoming stupid. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I honestly crack can't hurt it at to all. Get the shield down. Like, don't quote me on that one, but I've, Too late. I've double checked. Oh no, I'm quoted. But yeah, I think we'll see like void shields, a load of forgeable stuff, like the Chaos Knights with markers each, since they're letting it count as a demon. So it's got five up save all round, stupid. an iron shield on one side, rerolling ones. 
So you put like Grim on it, like Sturf or whatever, and you go, ah, it's a totally rolling ones all around. Oh, totally rollable saves fucking I... Imperial Knights. Fuck that. Yeah. Yep. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> well, at least the reroll's only a four up. Yeah, but still, it's like a two plus and a four plus is like ten times better than just a four plus. And you can't even get around it. Like it's That's on all the sides. Yeah, that's insane. It's failing one in 12, isn't it? Let's be right about it. Yeah. And, and good luck putting 70-odd whole points on the night. Yeah. In one yeah. But at least it's only chaos. What? And actually, to be fair, yeah, if I'm playing Chaos Space Marines... I'm nah, playing you can take it in Chaos that's, Demons, Joe. That's the thing, yeah. So you hey, take that, a Screamer Star... Elder. A drone Fleet star, so. Fate Weaver. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, all the normal tricks then, yeah. Yeah. Basically, you're, you're just swapping out Bellacor for a Chaos Knight. Oh, there's some. Oh, so at least it won't be invisible then. Well, there's some lists we've seen which are it could like be invisible, a Blood First, uh, a Chaos Knight, Fate Weaver, and Bellacor and a Demon Prince. That's a list that I've seen. That is a list. See, I'd like to play that. I don't want to play your pissing warp spider one more time for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, it is worth mentioning warp spiders are limited to one jump in the ITC format. But have you actually tested them with that, Alex? Or you've had one game, haven't you? Only one game, yeah. Yeah, I used uh, the last Cali event with one jump, even though they allowed multiple. Um, still worked. Yeah, I, I, I think they're still strong with one jump, especially with multiple units. But yeah, like that list you mentioned with all the demon prints and stuff, it's it's things like that which we're not used to playing against, which I think would just throw us. And I I like I wouldn't know what to do against that because basically every unit's flying, they've all got high initiative. Um, it's just gonna be a pain in the ass. I'd play that all day long, all day long. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> you'd have no problem. If you don't let them take off, they're never that scary. <laughs> Mark's like, I'm going to go first, I'm going to kill everything. Apart from the <laughs> who's sat in a ruin. Oh, crap. I've got your nose cover, so... Yeah, exactly. He's going to kill Velocor in one turn. You put that in your multi melters, not your grab for a change. Maybe. Might mix it up a bit. What, four multi melter ignore cover? No, you want 100 grab shots instead. That will kill him. He's not wearing any pants, though, is he? Velocor's naked, so he's just a pain in the ass to wound. Yeah, sixes. Yeah, but your re-rolls to wound. It's better than four shots. Well, it's well fit- I, I hope for... Um, to be yeah, fair, he's just as five. If you get the drop on him, you'll murder him with bolt guns. Yeah, yeah. with the, just the twinning bolt guns, yeah. If, the, if there's a Chaos Knight on the board, that's getting the attention of the Melter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, that's you, what you need to kill him. You have a bad experience with Melter and Imperial Knights, Mark. Yeah, that's Mike Folks' fault, because he stomped two units of Centurions that weren't even involved in combat. They didn't even want to know that night, but the knight decided to kill double six, both units out, on the second and third rolls of his stomp. But he slipped. They can't do that. He they slipped. can't do that in ITC. Exactly. You can't stomp out of combat, so it's like... And you know, six doesn't yay. kill, yay. And you can't and you can go... let you look out, sir, as well, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, and you can't go up levels with a super heavy either. So a knight can't yep. get you on the second floor. What you, a, you know, is it just the super heavy walkers? And GMCs. So a Wraith Knight can't go on a second level? I'm not sure with a Wraith Knight because it's jump, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That would be a bit silly. But I know that it's for ease of play at their event. I think that was the reasoning behind it. 
yeah, they don't want you balancing models on top of the massive. That's what blue tacks for, isn't it? It's all right. The rifle I've got a blackie comes off, so you just have the feet and a base, and the rest of it just sits by the side watches. <laughs> Terrain's going to be massive, at least for me, because if there's if there's like you know an absolute shit ton of line of sight blocking on the board edges. I'm basically screwed. If there's no. not, like the way they describe the setup, whether it's two line of sights offset from the middle away from the board edges, I I can play with that all day long. So it just gonna depend how they're actually set up, I think. Have they described it yet? I haven't seen Yeah. It. Yeah, it's have you seen that uh, city fight map they've got? Yeah. Like it's got that clearing in right in the middle and then either side of the like middle is like two they're basically where the big line of sight blockers go. Yeah. So yeah. So like Mark says, halfway across the board with the right middle clear, but then a big line of sight blocker either side of that. It's another reason why I don't think gun lines will work because if you've got a scouting army that can just scout into that, like a Death Star or all those rhinos and stuff, just scouts in the middle and just goes, "Well, you can't see me now." What? I don't think it'll be massive, massive loss block, but I know they've had varying boards last year where some were a bit iffy. I've heard. But I know they've got their own terrain out now, so they're going to be bringing a lot of the ruins they've got, a lot of the shipping containers that they've got. I love those shipping containers. They're like the perfect size five-man wolf spider unit. <laughs> I'm like, yes, please, just every board be full of those. Apparently, listening to their podcast again, they've been making shitloads of terrain, painting shitloads of terrain, so it's going to be that new kit. Well, they've got to have a lot for, what, 150 boards. I think they're selling a lot of the terrain and the fat mats as well afterwards, so if you want to buy like their buildings and stuff, I'm not sure if the ones they've actually built and painted will be being used, but they're selling off them at the event for cheap, they're selling the fat mats you play on, so you can buy them and bring them home afterwards. I might and buy that... a fat mat or two. It's shipping them back though, Alex. That's our issue. We're yeah, that's what it. I'm saying. I might buy a few just for the guys. Um, you know, like for practice weekends, we've got some boards that could use them. And oh, it, if it's wanted just, to buy them. It's going to be an issue bringing them back from over there though in our suitcases. Well, if we buy everything, we could just rent one big shipping container. <laughs> nah, their shipping containers only works by the size, Mark. You're not fitting a fat mat in one of them. Motherfucker, you're right. But when I when I win the lottery at the casino, we'll be fine. I oh. do hope you win lots. <laughs> Just for drinks' sake. Yeah, if Mark gets a big win, we all drinks know. Mark. Hookers on Mark. Yes. We've, we've don't got don't one... say that in case your girlfriend's listening. <laughs> She's I like out. that we've gone full, full circle and we're back to hookers and blow. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably rounded yeah, it's out to the end bridge. of the segment. So I think, as Joe said, we have gone full circle. I think we've got everything covered. Is there anything else anyone wants to add? No, just uh, we'll obviously have a chat and let everyone know how it goes and probably recommend it to get a bigger group going next year or something. Unless it's wank and then we'll tell everyone it's shit and don't bother. Yeah, We'll tell them just go Vegas another time. (laughs) Or just, just carry on hanging about in Warrington. (laughs) <laughs> place to be but, well, we could go into a GT in Vegas but in future I'm only going to go to ones in Warrington <laughs> for the glitz and the glamour it's a classy affair there's nothing wrong with DV8 <laughs> <laughs> well appreciate very much for coming on guys I'm sure we'll all get back together after the event um, 
hopefully going to keep putting little video updates up on the AOC Facebook page, so you'll probably see everyone's ugly mug on there a few times. Uh, I think it's, some of it's been live streamed, they're having a video booth there, so you'll be able to follow the action, if not via our Facebook, we'll be posting where you can keep up to date. At the very uh, least, shitloads of selfies. Oh yeah. yeah. But wait, let me take a selfie. So, thanks very much you three for coming on, and thanks everybody else for listening, and I'll speak to you all soon.